Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter. You know it's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Luckily, there's a smart way at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter finds people with the right skills for your job, actively invites them to apply. You get qualified candidate f- candidates fast. What's better than qualified candidates? Which is why it's rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on Trustpilot rating of hiring sites with at least a thousand reviews. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, Snickers. Snickers? You just lost to the guy who auto-drafted? Screaming at the TV again because someone who can't hear you dropped an open pass? Dropped your RB1 for a kicker? Thought your fantasy draft was a good first date idea? My God. You were probably just blindsided by hunger. Luckily, Snickers is here to pick your sorry butt up off the turf. Get back on your game with NFL Hunger Bars from Snickers. We're brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where Ryan Rossillo's second podcast for us, Dual Threat, is up. His guest was Colin Coward. We have a bunch of new Ringer podcasts up this week. NFL, the Ringer NFL show has the new GM Street, new Danacy football, last one before the uh, season finally kicks in. Ringer NBA show is kind of trickling back slowly. We had a Monday pod. Joe House was on that one. He might be on mine this week, later uh, on Friday. And uh, and if you check out the ringer.com, not only we read a bunch of football preview stuff written by a bunch of people. Robert Mays did a four-parter. Kevin Clark wrote about Miles Garrett. We have a bunch of stuff there, but we also have a documentary that we did about last year's Ringer football draft fantasy which is now uh, remembered fondly and not so fondly as the worst fantasy football draft of all time. It is a 14-minute documentary about it. It's kind of indescribable. Check that out. Check out the, if you're looking for videos to watch, we did the NFL wins pool finally. We taped it on Tuesday afternoon. I had the 10th, 12th, and 24th picks. I won't tell you who I ended up with. It's a fun video. Micah Peters has one of the worst executive performances of all time. Somehow ended up with three AFC South teams. He's like almost automatically eliminated himself, which was interesting. So that's all going on. So rewatchables, we did Taken on Monday and Rounders is next week. Just telling you now. 20th anniversary is coming up. Rounders happening. Sean Fennis and I are taping that this week and it is going to run at some point next week. Coming up, we have Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, and then our old friend Bill Burr is going to come in and talk football and comedy. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we have Bill Burr coming up in a little bit. First... Somebody from Good Morning Football that I've had my eye on since he was a young pup in the real world Chicago. And now it's been fun to watch him blossom into a legitimate talking head. Kyle Brand, how are you? I'm nervous, Bill. I'm very nervous. You're not nervous. You're on TV yes, for four, I am. You're on TV for four hours a day. You're like barely awake still. What time do you get up every day? Four. I get up at four AM and I get in at five AM. Do you have a girlfriend? So, um, girlfriend, wife? No, girlfriend, no. I've been married for eight years. I got two kids, man. I'm a family man. And you're getting up, up. And you're getting up at four in the morning. I have since I met her. I have. I've woken up at four in the morning for a decade. I don't. My wife doesn't know me any other way. 
Oh, that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's sustainable. You might, you might, <laughs> you might have to move on. What this Friday night show that you're launching next week, that's, yeah. that's a nighttime show though. Ish. It's kind of like in the middle of the day, live to tape, as they say. It's, uh, it's kind of like in the evening, so I'll be fine. I just, Bill, all I want is just tell me at what point in this conversation, when can I fanboy out on you? Can I please no, do it? No, no, we'll do that the, the next time when we go backwards. I, but what about when I used to write you and I, I used to submit and I wanted you to, to post my stuff and I wanted to be the, yep, these are my readers. I wanted to be those, that guy so bad, Bill. <laughs> so this is, I'm getting it now. That's why I'm nervous. Well, I talked to you. When we were launching The Ringer, I actually emailed you about potentially working for us, but I, I think I missed the boat. I was like two years too late. I was going to- I think it was more like you didn't like my responses. I think I wrote you some really cheesy stuff. And no, you're no, like, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know if this is it. No, it was clear that you were on this path to- actually like be on TV and do stuff. I was thinking we you were asked gonna... me, Yeah. You asked me what you want to do. Like you yeah, like a great employer question. What do you want to do? Where do you see yourself in five years? And I, I remember the answer I gave because I just went for it. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to Sims. I'm going to take a shot. And I said something like, you know, I want to be in radio and TV and I want to be the voice of the 30 something man in America. And I hit send and I was like, Oh, that is the lamest, cheesiest soundbite. He's going to not only delete that, he's going to report spam. I've thought nah. about that since I've sent it. No, it was, it was an honest answer. And it was was the right answer. Cause in my head, I was thinking maybe this is somebody who could help run the podcast network and have a podcast or two mm. on it. And you were like probably two years ahead of that. But now you have the show that is kind of in the sweet spot of people, people just kind of like it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's it. It's nice. You're not, you, there's no backlash to your show yet. It's just either people like it or they have no opinion whatsoever. It's perfect. You should just ride it. It's this. awesome, man. Yeah. There's very little backlash, which is almost impossible, especially in the new show that comes out with like three people who quote unquote never played the game and that you've never heard of. Like yeah. we actually live in like a nice little club med and I want to stay there. Yeah. It's nice. These and Samara were there too. And a little yeah. bit of a bigger audience, but it was the same thing. Like people just liked the show. Nobody was like hate watching it. Nobody was mad about it. Nobody was backlashing it. Um, I didn't, when I heard about the idea for the show that there was a 12 month a year morning show about football, my, my immediate reaction was what the F are they going to do in May, June, July, March? Um, basically all the times when there's not the draft or the season, I, I just didn't understand how it was sustainable, but you guys have turned it into, I don't know. You just have all these gimmicks and little tricks and yeah. you bring in pop culture and you figured out a way to sustain it. How long did that take? It took a long time. And I have this conversation all the time. I had it this morning. You, you meet someone, you're, you're on the train, or it's like a friend of your wife's husband or something. They say, hey, what do you do? And then you, say, you get to it eventually. And they, they say, so what do you do when it's not football season? I'm like, we're, like, we're still on. And then inevitably, well, what do you talk about? And I would say to you, we try to make uh, the owner's meeting sexy. We do a million things with the combine. We'll be like, well, I mean, honestly, Bill, you, you get this stuff. It would be like, which, which Stranger Things character would Gronkowski be? Right. Which... Uh, which would uh, Tywin be Belichick in Game of Thrones? And we just go on and on. And so that's how you get through the, the grind of OTAs, owners meetings, new rule changes. You just try to make it fun. And it's, I mean, it's heavy lifting for sure. Tonight is like, we get to actually eat dinner. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely noticed um, the times, the times when I've watched and I've, I put it on a lot, especially the last, um, last like four weeks is trying to figure out who's on what Thanks. team. Where, where things going, what's happening. But um, everybody sells for each other, which is the most important thing on TV and does not happen all the time. 
where I've, I've said this before. TV's like pro wrestling where mm-hmm. when the, when the other guy's doing his move, you have to make believe it hurts. And if he's doing the finishing move, you have to really sell the shit out of it. And all of you guys seem to like each other and, and sell the shit out of each other's stuff. I mean, P- Peter Schrager, impossible guy to like. I don't know how he found three people that uh, that would sell his moves, but somehow, you know, kudos to him. And it's even harder, Bill, with like with four people at the table. It's not just pro wrestling. It sort of feels like Royal Rumble. Yeah. And, you know, when when you watch the Rumble, especially the old ones, like it gets real sloppy, <laughs> right. real sloppy with the selling. And it's like you'll see whoever it is, Hawk from Legion of Doom versus Haiku in the corner, and they're basically just kind of doing those like chest slap things <laughs> over and over. It's bad. So in those moments, that's when we pick up Schrager, who I agree is one of the least likable people in sports. So I do the heavy, heavy lifting for him. It's tough when you have a villain on your show like that. It's just tough. It's he's polarizing. No, we're, we're kidding. He's, he's a nice guy. And he should have been there this morning when I told him I was going to be talking to you. I felt like we were in, in the barbershop with, with Brutus. And I told him it was, I wish I could have like gift his face. He became a human gift, gif, whatever the hell it is. I I should have filmed it for you. He was so, you know what the word is? Crestfallen, just crestfallen. He was like, uh, almost like he went monsters ball, like full, he doubled over balling. It was so beautiful. It was, really one of the motivations for this. I was really enjoying the thought of him, him finding out him listening, him just sadly, like in some parking lot in front of a seven 11 right now, just waiting for this 10 and it's not going to end. Cause we're going to yeah, talk football. Um, Honestly, Peter's like the most supportive, coolest guy ever. He is like the, he's like the, the if you need him to be your Marty Jannetty, like to help you to be the star, like he will do it. He yeah. will take the drop kick. will do it. He's the best. You know, the good thing for you guys, you're just on four hours a day with no pressure because you're trying to build an audience and you're getting just a shitload of reps. And then by the time people discover the show, you've had, you know, you've had all these basically games right. you're just banking, you know? And uh, I, it's a good way to do the whole thing worked out. It's good. It's a really good show. And I'm sure Bill, you sent a really, like you sent a really cool tweet out of nowhere. We had no idea you were watching. You were saying you, you said nice things about it. Do you remember like when you were watching the show and you tweeted that that day, which was great. Do you remember what we were doing? Cause I was trying to think about it with Schrager. I don't know. I was in Boston uh-huh. and it was just on and I was watching it and it was like fucking June. And the show is entertaining. And I'm like, this is crazy. There's, this is, there's no way this should be entertaining right now. There's nothing going on in football. I've not had a football conversation in six weeks. And I don't know how they're doing it. I just, I really admired it. Let's, can we talk football? Yeah, sure. So you have all these people pass through. You're hearing a lot of takes. You're hearing a lot of points. Mm-hmm. What point were you most jealous of that you've heard over the last four weeks that you wish you could have stolen? Like which, like which take? Yeah. Which take? What was your favorite take that you wish you had just taken yourself? Um, there's a lot of like really big, strong Patrick Mahomes takes right now. Mm. Like he, everybody is thinking that this is going to be a big thing. And I think it's based mostly because he throws it really far and like kind of has cool hair. We were talking about this the other day. I'd be interested in your opinion on this. There's so much dazzle and it's cool and it's fun to watch. I pose the question, does he maybe have like, like a white chocolate factor? What I mean, like, does he have a Jason Williams thing going where like he'll do a no look pass that will make every highlight and every tweet but then at the end of it like i don't necessarily know if he has c web and pasia and enough and like to actually really win like he'll be remembered more for highlights than wins i'm worried that that might be him that's it that's 
That's a good take. I'm a little jealous of that. I think he's got the cannon arm. Great yeah. name. Great name. Patrick Mahomes is just like a nice quarterback name. It really sounds, really sounds strong. And then the Andy Reid thing where you just have this body of evidence that whoever Andy Reid's quarterback is, the guy puts up stats. Mm-hmm. And now people have just convinced themselves that he's going to be good. I'm one of those people. I, I think the Chiefs have a chance to be a one seed. I've seen Mahomes play one game and I barely watched it. The week 17 game where he came in and he looked really good. Yeah, and, and he basically, threw a no look. Yeah, we're living off the fumes of that game. But I, I do think, I do think Reed, you got to trust the infrastructure a little bit with that. And Mahomes does, do too. Mahomes does carry himself like a QB, which sounds stupid, but I do look for that when I'm watching these guys. Like who, even Baker Mayfield, like he just seems like a leader, you know? Yeah. There was one take about Mahomes that I thought was really off, but curious. Someone was saying, like, have you heard Pat Mahomes talk? He has an unusual voice. And someone was saying, I don't, not great. It's like, it's, it's strange. It's sort of like heavily nasal and kind of up in his throat. And I don't remember where, who said it. Someone like, you know, to command the huddle, you have to have a voice. And this person's not talking symbolically. They're actually like the timbre and pitch of your voice in the huddle. They were, they were questioning his voice. So listen to Mahomes talk after the game this week. It is a little weird. Mm. I'm not good, bad. Just it's, it's different. It doesn't sound like your stock, uh, you know, Eli Manning, Drew Brees voice. It's off. So I, I don't, I don't know if I buy in, but I was, it had my, it turned my head to take. See, if there was backlash for your show right now, you'd be accused of vocal shaming Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> like three blog posts about it. Oh, Kyle Brandt's at it again. Now he's vocal shaming Pat Mahomes. Uh, we did talk about Mahomes too, Bill. We, this is wheelhouse for you. We're, we're trying really hard to, to get him a nickname. Because someone that cool needs to have one. And I just, 2 p.m. was him in college, and we're like, we're trying, and I think maybe it'll present itself. I've, I've been trying really hard to sell the rooster. And it's the just, rooster. You, you never, the rooster, so it's like, all right, he was a red raider in college. Now he's like a red rooster. He's got hair that kind of appears to be like a, a chicken or a rooster up top. And uh, Mahomes, and I was thinking of idioms with home, and they come home to roost. I don't, it's, I'm workshopping it. But when I say it during a highlight, the rooster is kind of cool. It seems like homey has to, or homes, or something with the home has to be in there. Yeah, if he plays bad, it can be Mahomie the Clown for the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the Living Color fans, but hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think he's going to be good, but that's like one of the fun games this week where Chiefs-Chargers, both teams getting yeah. a lot of lot of hype, and whatever happens, we're going to overreact to the loser. And be like, oh, I, yeah, know, and- I knew the Chiefs' defense wasn't good, and, and that's the thing. In week one, you can't overreact, so I'm, gonna, I'm trying to steer the ship carefully this year. I am too. I actually made a vow for this weekend. Uh, my, my one vow is that I will not overreact, especially to the Patriots. Because, mm. I, I mean, we all remember vividly last year when they just got their asses kicked by the Chiefs. That was The, the, the takes were jumping into the boat. So no, I don't care if they lose 50 to nothing to Deshaun Watson and the Texans. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I will not overreact to them. It's been my entire adult life, and yet I still know there are people who will be like, dynasty over, Brady washed up, defense sucks, Belichick done. It will happen. I almost hope they lose this weekend just so I can see it. Wait. That wasn't the overreaction loss last year, wasn't it? The Panthers? Well, week one was the Chiefs. Oh, that's home. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, they had two overreaction losses. The time, yeah. yeah. They yeah. always have them. You know what? The, you talked about the offseason. How do we do the show in the offseason? And this, I'll, I'll bring it to football. It's so hard to talk about the Patriots because 
every conversation inevitably ends with, yeah, but they win every year. Yeah, like, you know, you're trying to make some things, and it's March or it's April, and there's nothing going on. And we have to do a show where, like, it's, it's game five or game three or whatever of the finals the night before, and we have to come in and talk about, well, there's a picture of a Brady throwing footballs off a boat and try to make some sort of conversation about does this matter and could it be falling apart? And every conversation inevitably just ends with, yeah, but they have Brady and Gronk and Belichick, so they'll be fine. So it's, it's like a, such a non-starter conversation, even with all their drama, because they always win. But how many what happened with Malcolm Butler conversations did you guys have over the nine months? Months. Yeah. I mean, at, dude, months. Yeah. And like, I tried to go really heavy with that. And I tried to say, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know where you come out. I, I think a hundred percent, they would have won the game if Malcolm Butler played. So yeah. then it's like well, Belichick took them with, and they needed, they needed one play, one defensive play. And they win that game and they couldn't make it. The Eagles made one play. The Patriots made zero. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd like to talk myself into that, but our front seven was so bad. It's just so awful. Uh, I think we never could get a stop or a push or anything. And I don't know. I've, I, I think about it. I refuse to watch the game. I watched it once, like two weeks afterwards. And, okay. it, and it really hurts to say this, but I feel like Belichick got out coached in that game. And he did, you know, it's, we have the lead with 10 minutes left. And then the only thing that can happen because we're moving the ball every time we have it. The only thing that can't happen is the eight minute crippling drive that where we get the ball back and there's barely any time left. And that's what happened. I just wish, I wish we had gone balls out and either forced the 50 yard pass that we could get the ball Mm -hmm. back sooner or get the blitz and the fumble or whatever. It was like, we were in no man's land with the bend, but don't break. And they Mm -hmm. were just moving the ball down. And all of a sudden there was no time left. Have you rewatched? Have you even seen the replay of the Hail Mary, the last play? Because yeah, the, it's tantalizing. I well, mean, they, but we had another one. There, we had the the one uh, against the Giants. I was there. It was in I the know. end zone. I was sitting in. I feel like that was like inches away. But yeah, it's it's at least with the Pats when they lose, you have to like really cut their head off, Jason Voorhees style. It's the only way. Yeah, They'll I mean, just keep getting up. The neck. Yeah, I you, thought of another take that I just that I just that just popped in there. The take that so I was looking at um we were looking at a clip of the Carson Wentz injury. He goes to the Coliseum and gets hurt against the Rams, and the season's over, and Foles comes in and everything. If that injury doesn't happen, let's say Wentz stays healthy, do the Eagles win? Still win the Super Bowl? Like as well as Foles played, he mm. played perfect. I don't know if Wentz really as good as he is. And he's, I don't know if he could have played that well against the Patriots as Foles did. Like if Wentz doesn't get hurt, do the Patriots win that Super Bowl? Well, the, and the game before too, he was really good. It did. Yeah. It, spectacular. It gave them the nobody believes in us factor, which as you know, is the most powerful factor in sports. And it's a trump card. And he could not have played better in those last two games. The thing is the Falcons game which they really could have lost. And they're always, when you win a title, there's always like two moments when you could have blown it. But that, that first and goal the Falcons had, Mm -hmm. maybe they're not in that situation. If Wentz is in there, maybe the Eagles have already finished that game off or something, but I don't know either. I, 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 we we keep playing replaying that because you know, the, the, it's the kickoff game is the Falcons Eagles. And the last play of the game is mind blowing because Julio Jones had for Julio Jones, kind of like a layup catch that went right through his hands. Yeah. how did he not make that play? I feel like he has not worn that enough. Everyone says, oh, Julio, Julio, he's great in fantasy, he's awesome, whatever it is. That was a big-time miss by a player who's supposed to be the best in the league. Yeah, it's funny. Like, when the Pats lost that second Giants Super Bowl and Walker had 
a pass that Brady overthrew, and it really would yep. have been a tough catch for a short guy. And yep. he's we've have, he's had to hear about that for the last seven years. And the Julio Jones thing, especially with the fact that the Eagles ended up winning the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. I, I also thought the Rams punt returner kind of got a free pass from the playoffs. Everybody got destroyed. Yeah, he 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 literally ruined that game for them. And I think that I'm picking the Rams to win the Super Bowl. That's one of the things I, I promised. Uh, I promised today that I would uh, would give my Super Bowl pick, and I am going with the Rams and the Chiefs. You That's, are, yeah. The Rams over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I Bill, think, you think Mahomes is gonna is gonna get to the Super Bowl? Like he's gonna go through Foxborough? How's that gonna go? I know it's lunacy. I love it. I don't know if he's gonna have to go through Foxborough. Is the thing? Oh no! What happened? Well, I think the Pats win the AFC East, but I, I don't feel like this is a thirteen and three type Pats team. This feels like where they were in the 09, 2010 range. When they ten, used to lose to the Ravens, sometimes. Yeah, like ten and six, eleven and five. Maybe they have to go on the road at some point. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very, very concerned about the, the receiving situation, Brady's age, the, mm-hmm. the kind of really mediocre running back crew, unless Sony Michelle mm-hmm. can somehow get healthy. But Deion Lewis was the best player in the team in November and December. And um, he's just not there anymore. And now you don't have the second receiver for four weeks. And I'm not convinced Edelman's going to be 100% when he comes back. I'm not trying to do this guy's falling stuff, but I just don't think, I, I, I'm not sure they're a slam dunk like they were in years past. Like two years ago, I was like, wow, this team's loaded. Forget about like, it. We're going to be really good. I, I, I'm not sure I see it the same way this year. I'm no, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but th- does it not feel maybe like it might be a Brady injury year? Like, uh, oh, my God. It has to. Wow. It, it has to. It has to. Well, the, it, 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 You can't play that long and not get hurt. Yeah, the lot. Well, the thing is nobody can touch a quarterback anymore. And So maybe somebody doesn't get flagged. And you forget that he's found, you know, a, a miraculous – way to recover after every game thanks to his uh his spiritual guru alex guerrero that's the man alex guerrero the ply the lessons he's learned about pliability and dieting and he can't get hurt anymore but yeah it is like he's creating superheroes it is ridiculous though he's 41 and we're just penciling him every year i i swore that i wasn't going to take him in my fantasy uh auction on Mm -hmm. tuesday night and all of a sudden, it was eight bucks, and our auction guy was going, "All right, Brady, eight bucks. Nobody wants him for nine. Going once, going." And I was like, "Fuck this!" And I, and I paid go. nine. I, I just couldn't let him go for eight. It's Tom Brady, but at some point, it's it's going to end because these things end, and this is what happens. Yeah, but for eight, you got the wrestler. You got like it's like getting the wrestler and the pro wrestling manager. It's he and Guerrero. It's a package deal. It's like yeah. you drafted him and Mr. Fuji or Slick or whoever. Like whoever Guerrero is, you got two of them, Bill. Yeah. That's true. Well, I wanted to get Edelman because I wanted the Guerrero daily double, but uh, somebody somebody went in and somebody went in and snared him. But yeah, it was it was interesting watching the quarterback, like just in fantasy. What a weird like Rogers is. I was in two drafts. One was like snake draft. The other was an auction. Rogers was the number one, and he went for twice as much as any other QB. But like, I got Phil Rivers for a dollar. I got Goff for four dollars. It does seem like. There's a lot of quarterbacks people like this year, which uh, maybe like 16, 17. I think that's one of the reasons when I was looking at the week one slate and I was at, like getting genuinely excited for football. I always get excited for it every year, but this year I was like, whoa, there's a lot going on this year. But it's because of the quarterbacks because you look at teams now and you go, oh, the Niners, Garoppolo. Oh, I'm excited to see Pat Mahomes. 
And, oh, Trubisky in the RPO. Okay, maybe. And you go on mm-hmm. down the line and there's just, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to say we're in a, this is like a hot stretch for quarterbacks, but it's an interesting stretch. There's a lot of like interesting yeah. guys. And like, you just, it's where I like this year. I think why this year is so excited is, you know, we sometimes will talk in the morning. We love talking NBA on our show. Like Nate and Peter and I, especially, we love talking basketball. And like, there's this idea that you just know what team or what two teams or three teams are going to be there. It's, it's deflating for me as a basketball fan. But like, if you look at the NFC this year, there's 16 teams. I can make a reasonable case. In fact, a strong one that 10 of them could win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like I and I have no clue. I mean, there's three teams alone in the NFC South who are great. The NFC West is going to be huge this year. The NFC, North, I mean, it's just it's such a cool year because it's not going to be chalk. We did our predictions this week about who's going to be in the Super Bowl, who's going to win the division, and it was all over the map. Like it's it is going to be. I feel like a little bit of like a September Madness, like bracket busting type deal because I don't know who the hell is going to come out of the NFC or NFC. Does Nate Burleson ever talk about in 07 when he was on my fantasy team that was the best fantasy team I ever had? Does that come up? We talked Nate fantasy, yes. Yeah. So you had him the thousand yard season. I had him. No, I had him. He had like uh We had him in Minnesota? He, there was one year where he, he had like nine TDs. He was on Seattle. And okay. it was the same year when I had the Brady FU season and Tomlinson and Adrian Peterson and Wes Welker. <laughs> and people are still talking about it. It's been 11 years. Say, what was the name of that team? I had a double deuce. I my team's always been the double deuce after the fucking, the fucking Roadhouse Bar. It's like, Wade what, Garrett, we love you. It's one of those pop culture things that seemed funny 15 years ago, but now it's like double deuce. What's that, Kyle? You know what the double deuce is, no, Nephi I'm Kyle? Sorry. I'm sorry, I don't. Have you seen Roadhouse, Nephi Kyle? Yes, that was the bar in Roadhouse. Yeah, I got to work on that. Sorry, Kyle. man. Yeah, the liquor in this town is supplied by Brad Wesley. Just tell him that. Look that up. Uh, <laughs> I saw a clip today on my Twitter feed with Schrager picking Rogers for the MVP that felt 75% genuine and 25% complete suck up to Rogers. Like he definitely texted it to him right after. Hey man, no pressure. Like I, I just felt the suck up juice in it. Um, do you think Rogers is the MVP this year? Well, I took a shot. I took a shot with my MVP pick. We we do these things. But we're, we're like, okay, who do you think is gonna be MVP? Who do you think is gonna be Rookie of the Year? And I'm always caught in this thing where what I really probably think will happen, and what I think will make entertaining TV. Like you yeah. have to walk the line. If, if four of us say, I don't know, Rogers, Brady, Cam, Drew, that's just like that sucks. It's just like a stock segment where we all think it's gonna be the Patriots and the Super Bowl. So I said, screw it. I'm gonna take a shot. That's I try to take a shot that's still justifiable. I said Derek Carr is going to win the MVP. I, I just went for it. And I, I, I justified it by saying this. Their defense is probably going to be terrible. He's going to probably have to put up really big numbers. Two years ago in 2016, he was in, in the MVP conversation. And if you go back 20 years, there was a middling NFL quarterback named Rich Gannon who was carving out a living and was a little backup, a little starter. And then Gruden came on and turned him into the MVP of the league. So if the Gruden-Carr thing hits and he looks like he did in 2016 or even better – I got a shot. Did you do this before the Khalil Mack trade? Well, this is kind of how TV works. They want to get your picks early so they can get their graphics ready and things like that. And so, yes, I did it before the Khalil Mack trade. And then you talk to like your segment producer and they're, well, and you say, look, they just traded Mack. I can't do car for the MVP. And they're like, well, maybe now it's an even bolder choice. So I just said, screw it. Because who's going to care in six months anyways? And it got me fired up to talk about it. I, I don't know if bold is the word I would use. 
<laughs> what I, is the word? You're I, a wordsmith. I would use reckless. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. But I, I, I will say this about Peter and then Rogers. There's, there's a thing that happened recently. I think it's certainly for me. I think Aaron Rodgers. I know he just started following me on Twitter, mm. and I think he recently started following Schrager. So there's something that happens when you see so and so starts following you, and you see the little circle, and it's a picture of Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, oh, that must be a, a fake account or like a fan account. And then you click, and you're like, oh my god, the real Aaron Rodgers follows me. Fast forward to the next day, and you're saying like, who's gonna come out of the NFC North? And you're like. Hey, Aaron Rodgers watches the show, and I'm like, it does get into your head. It is a little voice that, like, they like you or they're into what you have to say. So you have to swat it out of there, or you'll just say Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for 80 touchdowns because Kirk <laughs> Cousins doesn't follow me on Twitter, neither does Stafford. You can't do it. Right. I, I was in that situation on Countdown for those two years because all those guys watch that. Yeah. They, they just are in their hotel suites watching basketball all day, and you are conscious of everything I say. I remember one time Draymond Green got really upset because I said he couldn't make threes. He was like a rookie. And by the way, he couldn't make mm -hmm. threes. Um, but <laughs> he came at me on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I always felt like that made me want to push the envelope more with stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, especially like... But positively or negatively? Like if you find out Boogie Cousins follows you and then he like does something that's kind of dumb, like do you give him a pass? Or are you more likely? Because, you know, he's into you, dude. He's a fan of yours. Well, he he was and he was on my podcast and then I made the case how he shouldn't have been in, in the All-NBA conversation two, three years ago and he blocked me. And it's still... <laughs> He, he blocked me and it still hurts. It really does. Hey, <laughs> I felt like I was, something. I was in the front oh. seat of the boogie bandwagon. And and uh, at least he blocked something. That was a good joke. Uh, Thank you. Basketball yeah, joke. I think the basketball guys in general are more sensitive than the football players. Are they? I, I think so. Yeah. And, and also yeah. more aware of what's going on. I really feel like you could say whatever you want about Le'Veon Bell on TV today and there's probably no chance he's watching your show. Right. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that. Le'Veon Bell, I, I think is you, you know you said that you started this conversation saying that you know uh, people we've had no backlash. People like us or don't like us. I think Le'Veon Bell hates our show. He's one of the only really? people of, of stature. He called me out once on Twitter, which in a way I was flattered. Oh, that's exciting. By, it was very exciting. And then here's here's the here's the thing. And tell me where you come out on this. You have a high-profile athlete who calls you out, says something about you, and takes a shot at you. And he said some dumb line about, like, I'm going to come and pop up on you like toast or something. I mean, like, it was pretty lame. So then I'm in this decision. I'm like, should I fire back at Le'Veon Bell? Because I got a few good things I could say to him and, quote, unquote, win Twitter. But then I'm in Twitter beef. And yeah. I, I, fucking, I fucking hate Twitter beef. Can't do Twitter it. beef. It's pathetic. You don't want to end so up in the I blog just, post. I always go high road. Yeah, you don't want to end up in the blog post where people are debating who won your Twitter beef. That's not not great. Not a great look. I think some people want to be in those blog posts or something, but like I, that is my my nightmare. Dude. I would I don't want to be in that ever. So I, I put it in the draft folder and don't return fire unless I'm completely forced to be. But I know what you're saying those posts they have like twelve tweets and they're like point one for this one, point one for this one, and they say who won. That makes my skin crawl. I, I never yeah. want to be in those. Well, you had last year. You who was the guy who came on and he was like super dismissive of you and Traeger. Yeah, that well, that was D'Angelo Williams. And yeah, that, and he was it, it, he was a dick. Le'Veon was related to that. Yeah, he he was he was a, trying to be a dick to you guys, and it was a really weird watch. I actually thought you handled it pretty well, both of you guys. Yeah, it was really surprising because it, like we don't 
we, we don't fight on our show. We don't call guys out. Like we just, we just have fun. We have a good time. It's like a little party. And I think it's D'Angelo Williams and came on and we're having a normal interview and he just, and then it honestly kind of hit the brakes and pointed at me and Schrager across the table. And I remember cause he physically pointed like not with his index finger, but with his index finger and his pinky, like devil horns. It was really strange. <laughs> and he pointed like that. And he was like, but you two have never played the game. And then we were into the, like the really Bush league. You've never played the game conversation. I think personally, I think he was like trying to do some like Kirkland brand LeVar ball thing where he comes and makes a splash and then gets a job or something out of it. I think he was just trying to make an impression, but it was odd, man. Yeah, it was super awkward. I enjoyed it though. Um, yeah, thanks. That makes one of us. Give me a, <laughs> give me a, a real Super Bowl pick, not a trying to be bold. The producer pushing pushing you to make yeah, a sure. splash no, pick. I, I'm, um, I think for the first time in, I don't know, what is 25, 30 something years, I think it's going to be a Super Bowl rematch. I think it's going to be Eagles Patriots. I do. There's a, I, the Eagles stuff, they, they were only two point, when Sal and I had to guess the lines, they were only two point yeah. favorites at home. And there just seems to be a lot of people trying to talk themselves into the Eagles are going to have a really disappointing season. And now I feel like it's maybe that's stupid. I do too. We see these Super Bowl teams, you're, they get fleeced. They, they, you know, their coordinators leave and all their players leave and they get these terrible contracts with other teams because they're kind of like, you win the Super Bowl and you're, you're kind of like nouveau famous and people pay you big money. I don't, I can't think of a team in my adult life who won the Super Bowl and then got better more than the Eagles did. Like they added so many good players and they still have that deal where Wentz is on his rookie contract so they can afford them. I mean, they added – Michael Bennett was one of the best players in football a couple of years ago, and Alodi Nada, and Darren Sproles is back, and Jason Peters is back. And I think people are kind of trying to turn the page on them, but they got so much better in the offseason. I think they're loaded still. I don't care who the quarterback is. What's your real MVP pick, not the – Derek Carr, um, people are going to throw that in your face in about a week. Pick. You know what's funny? Cause I was almost instead of Carr, I was I was I was thinking about taking Garoppolo. Um, Ooh, Jimmy. I think Jimmy's going to work. I mean, I don't know if he's going to win the MVP or not, but we also I'll tell you this: we had to do like wild upset pick for Week One, and I I think the one of the biggest ones there could be is the one I picked. I think the Niners go into Minnesota and win that game. I like that. I've been looking at that one as well. Wait, what kind of points we got on that? I mean, it must be huge, right? It's like That's se- the survivor pick for the week. It's like seven. No, the survivor pick for the week is is, is there a better one? Saints Bucks. Like that's oh, like the safest one. Yeah, and the Saints at home, and the Saints, you know, they're gonna put up points. And but wouldn't stuff. you feel safer if it was Jameis Bucks instead of Fitzpatrick Bucks? I mean, he's better than Jameis. He is. Mm. I'm. I honestly don't feel safe with either of them. I I they they make me feel unsafe. Uh, who do you have as the real as your real MVP pick? It'll probably be Rogers. I, I think Rogers is the best player in football. I, I, I do I, at any position. I, I think he's the guy. I love Brady. I love what he does. But like Rogers is Rogers is like Pennywise or something. Like he's some sort of like strange football devil. And it's whether you're just like a fan who watches the game or you're part of the like the dark room mafia who really gets into the tape and breaks it down and a arm trajectory and all that stuff. Like there's no one who does it better. And I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a monster in fantasy. And then like the, what, what's not as sexy 
is that like the the Packers D line just got really good. This guy Mike Daniels and Muhammad Wilkerson. I think that'll matter when they play Minnesota. And I just think it's it's like I don't think it's his best team, but it's some it's sort of like in basketball, like when you just have that crazy crazy two or three who can carry the team all the way. I mean, I think he is the guy. I think I think Rodgers will be the MVP. I'm picking Gurley. Running back. Yeah. It doesn't happen. I'm going uh, off the board a little bit. I think the Rams are going to be the best regular season team. I am all in on the Rams with a, I think they have the best chance of anyone to put up the old 14 and two kind of range season, especially with the division they're in. And uh, I don't know. I just, I think they're loaded. I love their coach. I like the fact that they didn't have too much success last year. They got a taste of it, but not really. And now mm-hmm. people seem to be, oh, the Rams. Well, you know, and it's like, well, nothing really happened for them last year. And now this is the year they move forward. I, I just think they're loaded. And uh, they are loaded. It's, it's funny. It's, like, God, the question is, Goff, nobody, go nobody really respected in either fantasy draft I was in. And yet everybody was taking receivers on that team. They took three receivers, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, I think all of them got taken in the snake draft. And the auction, yeah. two of them were expensive, and then I stole Robert Woods for a dollar. But if he has all these receivers and he put up stats last year, I think he had like 3,800 yards and 28 TDs, something like that, and really didn't get going until, I don't know, week four, week five. Um, I could see him taking a leap too. I just like the team. I'd like to team and you invest in McVay. I remember when they got, I think when they got Sue and they were bringing in Tlaib and everyone's on Twitter and, and I said something about, like I said, here's a, a look at um, the 2018 Rams defense and I did a picture of like all the guys, Jesse Ventura and Bill Duke and Schwarzenegger from Predator, like in the jungle, like this is the defense. And yeah. then of course, all the people responded and said, dude, every person in that picture dies in the end except for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I kind of got embarrassed by that. But it's you, I, the only problem with them is like, I don't know, is, is it too much? Like sometimes you see these dream teams and everyone was talking about when, when Vince Young was an Eagles backup and they had Namdi Asamoah and they were yeah. so loaded and so many name players. It doesn't always work out that way. Like it even doesn't. if you have a lot of cool players, it doesn't always work. It doesn't. I think the difference in this case is they have a top four coach. And, you know, what, what was that, that Eagles team when they had the super team? Who was that? Was that still Andy Reid or had he moved on? Yeah, it was Reid and McNabb. And I remember everyone was freaking out because they signed Namdi Asamoah, Raiders corner, who like, I think never made a play after they yeah, signed was, him. But, but part of the problem was they, their QB wasn't that good, you know? And, and then the chemistry was weird and Reid had kind of been there too long and, yeah, this feel, to me, this feels like they have the trajectory of the coach and the QB is still going up. And I do too. I that, think so, too. so I think, I think everyone's looking for the McVeigh. That's why I don't feel like the super team thing is as similar. That that one felt like the 2012 Lakers when the Eagles did that, where they're just throwing dudes together. And um, I I also think they're in a city that there's good pressure, but not like crazy psycho pressure. You know, mm-hmm. like if the Bears start out six and one, everyone in Chicago is going to lose their fucking minds. And that brings its own pressure. The Rams can kind of just do their thing and take week to week. They have their fans over here. Everybody here is going to be way more excited about the Dodgers and LeBron. 
That's just the way yeah. it is. I mean, when LeBron starts like in October, and like, and the Rams are six and zero, isn't the the buzz factor going to go just way down in that weird yeah. like rented stadium? They're sleep feels like they're sleeping on a futon for a few years. It's not it's not sexy like it should be, Jack. No, but that's that's uh, that's um, I think that's weirdly good for them. That I do too. They can kind of be under the radar and just bang out wins. I believe in McVeigh. I think they have the most talent. Um, all right, we have to go. Come back oh, and you can tell. On. I didn't get the fanboy out yeah, yet. You got, we got Bill Burr coming up next. Um, oh, he's a legend. So next time we'll have to we'll have to go backwards and do the uh, the whole real world thing. Let's do it. And I want to talk about you and I having tequila at the Super Bowl week when I met you and me trying to make Pearl Jam references they didn't get and the email I sent you in 2001 about Temptation Island. I got all kinds of stuff. All right, and great. I'll talk real world all day. We'll hit that. We'll hit that next time. Say hi to the Good Morning Football crew for us. Uh, Good luck with the season. Talk to you soon. Bill, thanks for having me, man. All right. Let's take a quick break. Here's why I'm a big fan of Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe, ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren. Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Here's what I love about this. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but Simply Safe is always ready just in case. That's what makes it great. Now, Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg. It probably should, but it doesn't. And that's because they're good people. They charge you what's fair, what's right. $14.99 a month, no contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You got to check it out. Go to simplysafe.com slash BS. Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. Bill Burr's here. He's touring. He's touring NBA arenas. NHL. This fall. NHL basketball arenas. arenas. You're doing all basketball arenas. NHL arenas. <laughs> with the surface area of the ice, it's less seats. Uh, yeah, no, not all. I, I got a couple. I got one in um, doing the TD Bank North Garden yeah. in Boston, October 5th. I have uh, the LA Forum on, uh, I think that's September 28th or something. That's the first one. And then I'm doing Madison Square Garden on November 7th. You have to make my- some LA Forum jokes about all the sex that happened in there in the 80s. You know, they used to have the home games and then they would go right next door to the forum club and things would happen. airborne AIDS that they had to fumigate out of there before they redid it. Yeah, there was a lot of fucking going on according to uh, some of the stories that you heard. And why wouldn't you be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody behaved the way we all would have behaved if we were given those gifts. It's very easy to be uh, ugly and out of shape and sit on a couch and live and you know, not break any of the commandments. It was funny that they had all these dudes who were getting it down and then AC Green, the Virgin and Kurt Rambis and Kareem, yeah. who was kind of like his own version of one of a kind, seven foot four guy. Yeah, not, I don't not know. Not too friendly. I know, yeah, AC Green, he was definitely, uh, yeah, but you know, AC kept his money though, right? He did. That's right. He did. No uh, women doing all that crazy stuff with the uh, turkey baster into <laughs> no, the discarded what, prophylactic. Who was that, Boris Becker? No, I don't know who that was. That was like something that on the road, like these these women would bang the guy, he'd wear a condom, and then they would, these, you know, people that try to educate these kids coming to league, go flush the condom. Right. They'll poke a hole in it, they'll, all that stuff. No, they'll take like a turkey baster, try to get your semen out of it, and then shoot it into them like they're, you ever see those those rednecks when they're like, they shoot the apple cider into like a pork butt? Yeah, they do that with semen. <laughs> I thought another move was if they. Uh, I mean, I'm just you know from this is just stories I've heard. I obviously this does not happen to comedians on the road. Turkey basters. Yeah, no. 
I thought the other thing they would do is they would supply the condom, but there would be a hole poked in it at the top. So oh, stuff would yeah, get out. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. So they were always. Okay, yeah. There was all, yeah. And none of that, that, there's no laws, you know, no. with all this progressive stuff going on right now, Me Too and all this and all the things that guys do to women. We're just, as always, looking on the male side of the ledger. You think Evidently, condom poking should be a bigger. Condom poking, I think there should be some sort of hashtag some PSAs. for PSAs. Yeah. <laughs> When I had a one you, night stand and now I'm a dad. Hashtag me too. <laughs> <laughs> when uh when was the first time you sold out an arena? Um because that's kind of the years, last guy, stage, I, I, right? I, oh, before a crack addiction. Yeah. Then I just totally tailspin into the ground. Then I come back with the book, an older, wiser bill, you know? And you tell me how great I look when well, you I come never back. Do a football stadium. Looking at my fake teeth. After you I can never do a football stadium. Huh? The most you could do is like 20,000. Kevin Hart did right? one. A football stadium? Kevin Hart sold out the Eagles football stadium. What? Yeah. I think he sold more tickets than the Eagles that week. <laughs> this is before they won the Super Bowl. No disrespect. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe the, the key would be the giant video board. Because there's no way you could see Kevin Hart from even like the fifth row, much less the yeah. 150th. Um, yeah. What that, you know, you also have to be like, there's this beyond like the talent he has and the 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 star power and all that. There's a certain level of mentality you have to have to be able to handle something or even be, to want to do something that big. Yeah, the own the room mentality. Uh, yeah, that Freddie Mercury thing where yeah. he turns a, 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 the Wembley Arena into like a coffee house. So, um, you know, there's certain people that should be doing that. So We, we try to- Me I'm, personally, I'm just trying to, you know- Vacuum up a little bit of money before I just retire. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to these. These are uh, what I do, what I do to make them sort of like not as crazy. Yeah, is uh, I play drums as a hobby, so I always rent some gear. And me, and my friends, and we get together and we jam in like the empty arena, just playing you know hair metal and all this shit we grew up on, Guns and Roses and stuff like that, and. Um, it just kind of turns into like a clubhouse vibe and you, you just don't feel like, uh, yeah. And then it just feels like, and then a couple hours later you go out and you do the show. You've already made a lot of noise in there. So it <clears throat> doesn't seem that crazy. Did you, did you uh, do this? Like you set down the same set that you do each time or do you mix it up? No, no, no. I, I you know, I kind of know what I, I know what I'm starting with and I kind of know what I'm ending with and I kind of know the middle. And it's just kind of like all how, you know, you say something that makes you think of this joke, then I do that joke. It's right. not like there's this, uh, you know, this giant puzzle in my head of how it goes together. There's a through line of my moronic opinion that can kind of tie any one of the jokes together that, you know, you just kind of listen to an idiot who hopefully is funny is basically my formula. When who was Dane Cook? I remember sold out an arena and it was a big deal. Now that Dane hadn't happened Cook, before, right? Oh no, that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Who did it before Dane Cook? Uh, I think. I mean, going back into the seventies and eighties, Steve stuff Martin. Like that. Yeah, Steve Martin played like but for Nassau, the modern era. Cook. That was like I remember that being Dice, kind of a big deal. Then Dice Clay. Oh yeah, Dice did had yep. a nice run there. Dice did it, and then then after Dice, Dice was kind of like the last guy to hit four hundred. You know, like. Ted Williams and then it's just it just, right. just stopped like it doesn't happen. He was like the last guy to play in arena. And then it didn't happen again until uh Dane Cook basically taught everybody the power of social media. Like he really was a um uh 
way out ahead of everybody else. And then, of course, what was funny, once everybody saw Dane get to the level that he did, you know, people just all, all the scuttlebutt around. All he did was this. It's everybody thinks like, oh, now I'll get a zillion fans on on MySpace and then I'll sell out Madison Square Garden. And it's just like, it's, but you forget you're not him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when Louis put out a special and he's just like, I'm just going to put it out for five bucks. And it's just like, dude, he made all his money back. He made a profit. And then other people tried to do it and they lost their shirt. It's because it's like, you're not him. So you have to kind of, uh, you have to have an understanding of where you are in the business, you know, rather than just going like, you, you got to, you know, somebody has to be like within, you know, you're running them down. Like you're within their, their wheelhouse. If you're going to try to do something that they're going to do. I mean, if you're on the pavement and somebody's in the penthouse and they're just going to do something, but, oh, I'm going to do that. And then I'll be in a penthouse. It's just right. like, no, dude, you're going to be still walking around the block with a sandwich board. <laughs> you got to, you got to do some sandwich board shit to try to get, you know, to get in the lobby and then you work your way up the building. At least that's, that's how it worked for me. Has he been the most resented comic like of, of your kind of generation? Who? Because Dane Cook. Because I remember when that whole thing went down. No, and it I, it was people a, were like, it was like he was gaming the system because he was reaching out to his fans online, which now everybody does. I thought, you know, he got a, uh, he got more than his share, but there's, there's one of these things where it's just like, you're not going to do like, like, I'm doing like three of these things. Like he literally had the same road road schedule as the Celtics. Right. You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> he, uh, you can't do that and be out there. The, you know, the hottest women in the world want to bang you. You're making all this money. You can't do that and just, and not have a back. The backlash is, it's just going to come. Um, so, you know, and it did. That was so. a weird era for comedy. It was kind of between two eras. Yeah. Now this current era feels like a boom. And also Dave kind of went away. Dave Chappelle went away. That caused like this big void. That was kind of like, you know, when Bird and Magic retired and then Jordan left for those two years, like the NBA was weird. It's like when SNL gets like a new cast and you're like, is it ever going to be funny again? And it takes them a couple of years. And then they have like those characters. Then you're like, it's great again. It's great again. It's great again. And then they all leave to go do movies and move on with their careers. And then then it like leagues kind of go through that shit. I guess, I guess maybe stand up does. I never really looked at it that way. I think that's definitely true. It also depends on what the outside forces are, you know? Like he had like the late 80s, early 90s, you had those HBO and comedian shows and Comedy Central was giving everybody a special and stuff like that. And then everything kind of splintered out. And now the Netflix thing, the amount of money that they've spent on stand-up and the platform they have, it seems like it's transformed a lot of this stuff. Yeah, where you can now if you get a special on Netflix and it, and it hits, you can tour globally. Yeah. Like I have an Eastern European tour coming up. Shut up. Makes no sense. I mean, you're going to Eastern Europe to do comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Just Just to go there. No, I mean, no, there's a lot of people like just speak English. There's expatriates. No, I've, I've done like, you know, I've done Singapore, Hong Kong, Mumbai, India. It was one of my favorite gigs I've ever done. It was just kind of shady getting in and out because we kind of messed with their immigrants so, and I think specifically some senator on the West Coast, because you got more shit if you were trying to get into the country to work if you were from the West Coast. So I don't know what happened, but all I know is I had to send my passport to their something in San Francisco. And then it came back with this work paper. And then when I got to India, I had to go to like 
you know, some friggin' building and they wouldn't let the uh, promoter go in with me. So I had to go in there and I had to get a piece of paper to leave that said it was okay, I could leave. So I'm in there and like I'm hanging with, you know, sitting next to this woman from Afghanistan and she's trying to get out and I'm trying to get out. My show's that night because I literally was flying in, doing the gig and leaving the next day and flying back to New York. And I remember just sitting there and like in India, it's hilarious. They have this thing with you ask them a question and they don't shake their head no and they don't nod it yes. It's like a bobblehead thing. They just, just trying to read them. You know, you're like, well, if I have this p- piece of paper, then now this definitely means I'm going to get out. I think I was taking a red eye that night. I'm definitely going to get out, right? And the lady was just kind of doing this with the head. <laughs> She's like, can you just, you know, I felt like uh, it was it was actually a really, that a really good experience to have um, being in the majority my whole life to then feel like I was one of those people in the beginning of Stripes, you know, son of bitch shit, son of bitch shit. <laughs> like I was the guy not speaking English. I mean, not speaking, uh, uh, I'm only speaking English, not understanding their language. And uh, yeah, and there was one time I was like, Bill, if ever you're going to keep your temper in check, this is the place. Even though you're getting a DMV vibe here right now, do not act like how you act at the DMV out here in California. Just so then we ended up taking the red eye. I think that's how I got out because I went there and I handed the piece of paper and the guy's looking at he's doing all this stuff. I go, it's all there, right? And he's doing the bobblehead thing. I was like, guy, I'm going to miss the plane. I just sort of kind of gorillaed my way through it. And then we got on there and I felt I was, was that Ben Affleck movie? Was it Argo? Is that what it was Argo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want the plane to take off. Yeah, I just want the plane to take off. And then we landed in uh, Dubai and then we switched and then it was, then it was fine. Um, then I felt good. It seems like the Eastern European tour could be the plat for Taken 4. Could be what? The plat for Taken 4. Oh. The comedian God. goes to Eastern Europe to do comedy and then something happens and you have to get somebody back. Yeah, yeah. They I don't steal know. your manager. I don't know, This man. could be it. This could be your comedy action. Yeah. I don't, comedy I don't, I don't think gateway. anybody's buying a bald, redheaded male as an action star. You can carry your face to you, yeah. you just go full Boston. I'm the guy in the van. Working the computer, trying to give him more time, <laughs> which is fine with me, dude. It's fine with me. I'm a comedian, and anytime I, I get any um, any parts of the movie, it's gravy. Speaking of which, yeah, I, I got a small part in this movie called The Front Runner. Jason Reitman directed it. Hugh Jackman starring. He's getting Oscar buzz. So don't blink or you'll miss me. But uh, I'm actually going to the Toronto Film Festival coming up this weekend to. Uh, for what the is premiere. the Front Runner about? It's I like the, Jason Raymond. It's the Gary Hart story. Mm. And it's so fascinating because I re, I'm old enough to remember it. For those youngsters listening to this thing, it was 1988. And I didn't realize this, but up until then, they never delved into your personal life. Oh, yeah. They could 100% know that you were banging chicks on the side with your wife and everything, but they would keep it. So how do you, you know, how are you going to get the fiscally responsible, get the economy? They just stay in there. And this was the first guy that they went tabloid like they had like yeah. like like newspapers were all like we can't do that then we'd be at the level of these guys you know um like the inquirer and stuff and that's when the wheels came off they went ahead and do it did it and i remembered it like a, a six week a month or a six week scandal but it's literally it was a week it came out monday and the next monday he was out of the race and then dukakis became the guy and then that's why you know you have eight years of republican you know, America, and then it's going to be like, no, they're the problem. Yeah. Now eight years of a Democrat. Now the Democrats are the problem. So he was all set. He was going to be the guy. He was the front runner. And, um, you know, good looking guy was younger than George 
Herbert Walker, which all plays in an election, which it shouldn't, but so it looked like he was going to win it. So then he got kicked out and then Dukakis went in, then it became a closer race. And then Dukakis, I guess, stuck his head out of that tank and evidently that <laughs> that was the end of it. Um, but then what's amazing is in 92, Bill Clinton comes along who not only has that scandal, he has like three, four of them. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, man. People just like them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you want to hear a song on my saxophone? And then he just, and I always wondered what Gary Hart thought. Like, really? But it just seemed like the way the script was that Gary was too, it's kind of ironic, too much of a family man to put his kid and everything like that through it. So he was just like, all right, I did it. We're done. We're shutting it down. I remember there's that one photo, right? Him and Donna Rice. Wasn't it Donna Rice? Yeah, on that on the it was, they were on, on like monkey, a boat. Monkey business was what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he never recovered from that one. Yeah, Dukakis was a tough loss for uh, Massachusetts. He 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 was not a very Massachusettsy type. type he was guy. a good guy though. Yeah, he was a he good was, guy, but, but he didn't Greek, have that. You know, real ethnic. So I thought I thought he was a good Massachusetts. Remember the guy. John Lovitz SNL like impression of him. <laughs> he did, I just remember that was the, the, camp- big, the big sideburns and the hair swooped across his forehead. He I did that. I can't that. believe I'm losing to this guy. Like oh, Dan yeah. Carver's doing the George Bush oh, for like right. five minutes. I can't believe I'm losing this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dukakis, hard to believe he was one vote away going back. He's like in the top five, hard to believe you almost were the president. Oh, yeah. Rankings. Shot the three at the buzzer and went in and out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think they, I think he was more down like 18 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? I don't know. That's a good fork in the road, though, the Gary Hart thing. Because it, it, you're right. It starts the whole tabloid thing. And then on top of that, changes the course of who became the president. Yeah, now they try they try and find stuff even if you didn't do anything. Like, I feel like George Herbert Walker was the last guy who was actually able to be president without being attacked by the other party to a ridiculous level. I mean, they've always, you know. yeah gone at each other, but there was always a level of respect. But like Clinton was the whole Lewinsky thing. You lied under oath. Let's vote to have him impeached, you know? And then uh, what's his face? George W. was, you know, you stole the election, all that crap you did down in Florida. Obama, you're not from here. And now Trump, yeah, you're in bed with the Russians. And um, none of those people were removed from office. And I just, I just don't know if that helps us to be constantly, to be like, you know, it's like a fan base. At some point, you know, you can criticize, but at some point you got to support the team or the, the home field advantage is kind of gone, isn't it? To well, bring how it much, back to sports. How much has it seeped into your act the last two years? What? The politics stuff. Not nah, nothing. Because nah. I noticed- there's, there's a million people doing Trump jokes and it's all like sort of the same. And I, I thought Howard Stern had the best angle on it, which he was just basically saying that this guy has a hot wife. He has all this money. Nobody's really like fucking with him and his age. How old is he? 77, 78? He's mid 70s. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you got like six good summers left. Why would you want this job? Every fucking asshole is going to blame you for everything. He just kept coming back to that. You got six good summers left. Yeah. Like I was laughing so hard. I almost had to pull over, but I didn't, you know, sometimes when somebody does something like that, you're just like, you know, I'm not going to do it better than that. So I can go splash around in that water, but this guy just, you know, he took it all the water out of the pool on that one, I felt, so. Yeah, I noticed with your podcast, the Monday morning, Mm -hmm. um, that you always have three topics that you tweet out that the pod's about. Mm -hmm. 
And it's always like football, Vaseline, and whiskeys. Yeah. You know, like these three <laughs> things that have nothing in common. I don't know. I and know. you just you just kind of turn the mic on and go, right? You yeah. must have a general idea. What I have like about. a little set list like I would on stage. I'll just be like, you know, Pat's Texans, you know, uh, 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 chick at the yogurt store. If I was a story or something like that. Yeah. But once I start talking, I don't look at the list again unless it starts slowing down. So a lot of times- I, I don't get to what's on the list or sometimes I feel like I've done everything on the list and I've only done 12 minutes. Uh, so it's very much like doing standup. Like when, if you're in the zone, you feel like you did half your act and you you already did an hour and then nights where you're just not on, you're not vibing with the crowd. It's like, you feel like you've done your whole act and you've only been up there for 15 minutes. And you're like, now what the fuck am I going to do? So, um, podcast is the same way. Just turn it on and go. I can't yep. do that. I'm always jealous of the people. Like I hear Colin Coward on Fox. He'll start, you know, he'll start his show and he'll just talk for 20 minutes with some angle. Or like Stephen A. Smith can do it. The mm. Guys on first take, they just swap these five minute monologues. I'm always like, I'm always impressed by it. Like, yeah, I don't know if like Stephen A. He goes from he does first take for two hours, and then does a radio show, and it's just. He's doing sports monologues for four hours. I don't, I don't feel like I could have that much to say about sports. Uh, Here's the thing about Carmelo Anthony. You know, he's just, he's riled I, yeah. up all the well, time. Well, if you're doing two shows, like, how do you have time to watch the sport? That's like, the certain thing. guys like, yeah, no, that's guys or like. Or know what's going on. Maybe during the commercials, he's just furiously going through Twitter to see what I the think, angle no, is. just some of those guys, they just, they're born with that gift. And like, he's probably, you know, he probably one of those guys gets out of bed running. Like some people are just, they just, can go like that. Uh, I love Stephen A. Smith. He's funny as hell. Have you gone on those shows? Do you do that No, stuff? I never did Stephen A. But there's something about Stephen A. Smith, like when he's making a point, when he puts his eyebrows down, there's just something about it. It reminds me of this kid I grew up with at the bus stop. So it always just makes me laugh. There's something that's weird. There's very something like kid-like about him when he's making his points. I'm not shitting on him or anything, but it's like funny. I had a comedian yeah. I worked with was like that. Um. It was funny. He was this dude from Brooklyn and he was like, you know, not someone you would mess with, but like when he wouldn't get his way, he would like become like this kid. It was, it was really funny. Um, Do you feel like as any comedy movie or TV show completely captured what the world is like? Of, of just the stand up day to day. Like, um, do you think pieces of it have captured it? I would say Pete Holmes show. Yeah. A lot that of seems that. seems like the closest, A lot right? of that. I was actually going to call him the other day because I was talking to a comedian and, and I was like, you know, that's something, that'd be a good thing for Pete's show that they never really captured. Like they never captured, uh, I haven't seen anybody, is the patheticness of after you killed and you're single and then standing outside as the crowd goes by trying to get laid and how <laughs> you have to, you have to like, it's not like musicians or really anybody, if you just went up there and spoke or, or performed, like there's a level of respect, but there's something about comedy, like they want you to keep doing the joke. So when you're not funny every eight, so, oh, you're kind of quiet. They get all weirded out. Like, well, who is that guy? It's like, that guy would be ridiculous to hang out with walking down the street. You'd get yeah. sick of me by the You'd end of the crazy. block. But they don't know. I bet magicians have the same thing. I bet when they try to get laid after their deal, like they still have to do like card tricks. Like, where's your bra? Ah, here it is. Oh, you. <laughs> they probably can't even do all those tricks anymore because it wouldn't be like consensual on some level. They'd get me too'd. <laughs> the Eagles documentary, there's this whole section about how they would hand out these special armbands for the groupies. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. And they would call it the, th- it was basically the third encore. They called it spread Eagle and they yeah. would just go and get like the 50 best looking girls and they would go back to some yeah. guessing comedy is not like and that. And then ones who were on the bubble had to work their way through the, yeah. the roadies and they did stuff. The combine. Oh God. It was just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like that that fifth round draft pick who always has a chip on his shoulder after that. Like, like they got something to prove. Like the Pats middle linebacker right now, Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> he runs a four seven forty, drops. He's got to prove himself every practice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just a different. Uh, it's a different time. What's what do you feel like? Out of all the things, came like should have been better, and they just couldn't put the pieces together. What do you mean? As far as like what? movies, TV, like remember Punchline with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I thought for the time when that came out, I liked it. Yeah? I liked it, but I also wasn't doing stand-up yet. So um, anytime they make a movie about what you do, there's no way, you know, because just the amount of time they have to show it and then like the whole thing where you got to keep them chasing the carrot and everything, it's never going to be the same thing. So you kind of have to let go of that. Oh, you'll think every movie about what you do sucks. But um, I liked uh, Adam Sandler's... uh, was it funny people? I was going to mention that. The first. My favorite one was when he was, the part of that movie was when he was laying in bed and going, just talk to me until I fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, it was weird because he was experiencing the loneliness of the road when he was at home. So I found that like a nice twist. But like, uh, you know, I, half the time I would be drinking on the road. It was so you could, or, and just staying out. It was because you just wanted to go back to that empty hotel room and just face plant and fall asleep immediately rather than sitting there in the quiet of it. Um, that when I was younger, now like going back stone sober and getting in bed and just putting on and watching a movie is like the greatest thing ever. HBO too. Oh, it's just the greatest thing ever. Like I just, the second I, I've always feel like I'm missing something until the elevator starts going up and then the excitement of actually getting eight hours sleep and not dreading the next morning, going to the airport, like half in the bag, trying to get through security and being all irritable. Um, you know, I thought the first like hour 10 of funny people, it's on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And yeah. it, there's a lot of people in it and there's, it, it taps into that whole world. I thought like the up and comers trying to write, to write people jokes. And then yeah. the guy who's kind of past his prime, but kind of wants to make one more run. I, I thought it had some good stuff since yeah. the last time I saw you, um, the Eagles beat the Pats in the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Their fans have, uh. I've been loud ever since. So what? The they Philly fans. Be. They talked a lot of shit. They should be. So they you support that? Absolutely. I mean, I that's not something I do, but like uh I can't remember. Did do you think the Pats fans did that in 01? We probably yes. did, right? Well, look, you and I didn't didn't do it, but like if you I go, might have. if if okay. Well then there you go. I mean I that, don't know. that's what's gonna I'm happen. I'm so happy we won something after 15 years of just sadness. Uh, yeah. And I would have thought the Red Sox would win a world series before the Patriots in that high school football stadium would ever win anything. So I was amazed by that. But, um, no, I would like at some point when, when the pain of the loss, you know, in like five years stops hurting, I would like to go back and watch it because it's such a bizarre game where the Eagles defense shut down the Vikings and we were, I thought our defense was okay throughout the playoffs. AFC's always just been weak, like the last, I don't know how many years. And, um, to just see, I mean, that was literally like a high school game when there was like two or three punts. And I'll tell you a record that will never be broken unless Tom Brady goes back again is you're never going to see a quarterback throw for over 500 yards and lose a Super Bowl. I know. And that's the one when, uh, like, that's the one thing I do give Eagle fans shit. Like, Nick Foles owned you guys. Like, dude, he had a pedestrian 300-yard 
300 plus yard game. Yeah. Brady threw for 500 yards and lost. And had Cooks was out for the last three quarters, basically. Yeah, that, that game. Yeah, I have no a Edelman, none of that. And then and anytime Belichick decides to go, you know, great Santini and sit a player, it just never, you know, when he did that with Welker, remember when Welker made all those feet jokes about Rex Ryan? Yeah. Then like we ended up losing to the Jets at home. It just was a bad omen. And watching Malcolm Butler literally crying like a loved one had died. I was like from the, I just didn't feel right from, from the second. And I remember the first pass I saw uh, Foles throw. It reminded me of Jake DeLone, where it was another guy that nobody gave any chance. Like everybody forgets his performance. We almost lost to Jake DeLone. Oh, dude, he was a beast in that game. Yeah. And I, I, Nick Foles was great. And I was really, I wish that I could have watched the Eagles win a Super Bowl not beating my team because I really would have enjoyed it because, uh, you know, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm 50. So I know what it's like to wait. You know, anybody under the age of like, I don't know, 28 now as a, as a Boston fan has no idea what that feels like. But like, uh, so it, it would have been more enjoyable because um, I, lo- I love seeing, yeah, I love seeing the Cubs win, you know, um, love seeing the Capitals win this year. It was There's all- not a lot left. There's not a lot of those. I can't believe that team actually won the title teams. The list is, dude, we've really banged some out the last 15 years. The Capitals, yep. I never thought the Capitals would beat the Penguins. Much less yeah, win the Stanley that, Cup. Yeah, and it was also it was a great thing to see how much Ovechkin cared, because there yeah. was a stereotype for a while with Russian players that the Stanley Cup didn't mean shit to him. It's like whatever the Stanley Cup is in Russia, if, if you went over there, you didn't grow up seeing it, so just inherently it didn't mean as much. And then and the stereotype was that they come over here, they get the big contract, and they don't fucking try. And, and guys like uh, like Malkin and Ovechkin really like I thought. Um, and sometimes got undue criticism because they were Russian or something. If the team wasn't going well, it's like, dude, they're not the fucking GM. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not the guy. They're still giving it their all on the ice, but it was sort of an easy scapegoat thing. But uh, I would say maybe the Cleveland Indians who, for some reason, like very under the radar with like this, uh, coming up on 80 years. Is it 80 years? Yeah. 80 they're years under the this radar. year. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, obviously Minnesota Vikings. I think the, the Buffalo Bengals Bills watching them lose four in a row, like there's no point of even giving them shit. Either, although I, I think I did this week on the on the <laughs> podcast. Like I was going, is this the year where you guys regain your AFC championship winning form to go to a Super Bowl? I stopped short of saying losing it, but uh, yeah, I would say that you know, the the Indians, the Browns, there's some out there. The Sacramento Kings would be ludicrous. You know, but it, they, it, I never they thought should the have won it happen. that one year where they didn't oh, have yeah, a friggin' robbed. mobbed up ref. There's yeah. another Lakers banner hanging up there. Um, For the Pats, though, that was the that was the Boston team that was just the black sheep that nobody ever imagined would actually win the Super Bowl. It seemed, oh, yeah. it seemed inconceivable. No, and now really. now I think the Jets the have, snow plow and oh the, my god. Well, as you said, the stadium was kind of the secret sauce of how bad the Pats were. That was the worst stadium. It was just an armpit. Everyone has their five stories from some terrible experience they had there. It was just awful. <laughs> it was like but a kind parking of garage that they, that they opened up like, like a, like, I don't know, like, like a fucking, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the vegetable, like an avocado or something. They just like split the thing open. It was just, it was just, yeah, it wasn't just, it was an eyesore. They put aluminum, alum, those aluminum benches. Yeah. You would say it, it would be freezing. Your ass would f- absolutely freeze. Yep. Just, Stand up, you lose your seat. And in the cold games, you lost your seat because everybody's thick coats back then. They yeah. didn't have the North Face technology, so it was all about you know <laughs> skinning all these geese and shit. Uh, Not to mention, probably the one of the consistently drunkest crowds ever. Oh yeah, and I was a part of it. I yeah. remember the first time I went to a game. I went to see the 
the Patriots with the New York Jets right before they became the sack exchange. So it was Richard Todd. Yeah. Uh, uh, Freeman McNeil, Marty Lyons, Abdul Salam, Joe yeah. Klecko, and Mark Gastineau was the guys I remember, and um, Wesley Walker, and that the, that version. And uh, I remember it was cold, like that wet, windy rain, and I was freezing my ass off. And the Patriots sucked that year. I remember all these drunks standing up, Patriots fucking suck, <laughs> screaming. And I remember I couldn't believe it that someone would say something that about the home team. Yeah. Because I, I was so innocent going there. This is before the internet and shit. You didn't know what was going on in the world. And just seeing how drunk they were. And my dad just like was beside him. He was a Midwest guy, just beside of himself looking at the fucking behavior and never took me to another game. And then like within, God, three years of that, I went from like 12, maybe four years of that, 12 to 16, 17 years old. And all of a sudden- You were that guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't that guy till I was 21. Okay. 20. What year? 89, I had season tickets to him. Okay, 89. We were one in, weren't we one in 15 that year? I think we were five and 11. Oh, so 90 was one in 15. Yeah, it was- The Rod Rust year. Yeah, Rod Rust. One in 15 was the year that got me into sports gambling. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, I, we're off I what am I, I need a team to root for. And then somebody was like, you should gamble. You know, you could gamble on the teams. I was oh. Like, oh, that's cool. I remember I bet against the Patriots one time that year, trying to, trying to get my money back. They played Buffalo at home. And I believe that was the year that was, I think that was the game they actually showed up. <laughs> they they came won. through. And so I couldn't even enjoy it. And I lost the money. I remember uh, we played the Dolphins that year. And uh, we went three and out. My buddy had buried the Patriots against Dan Marino and the Dolphins. I don't know. It was early in the year. Because the year before, we made the playoffs, I believe, in 88. So we go three and out. We go to do a fake punt. It gets blocked. They take it in for a touchdown. It's seven or nothing, right? So my buddy's got, he's got all his money. I was like, come on, man. Let's fucking go. So they kick off to us. We go three and out again. We go to punt. The punter bobbles the snap. Now he's running with the fucking ball. Like, <laughs> Gary, you're preming, however you say yeah. his name. I just, my buddy's voice, like, this highest pitch I've ever, he's like, what are they doing? <laughs> now, and he went to throw it. It got intercepted. They caught the ball. And then like two plays later, it was like 14 to nothing before your beer was even like, you weren't even halfway done with your beer. And uh, I remember we almost got into a fight that game. I'll spare the details, but. Uh, almost got into a fight was pretty synonymous with the late 80s. Well, 90s he just pets. was pissed and he just started spitting. Yeah. Over the crowd. Oh, no. On to, oh, yeah. And these guys, this kid just, he just hucked a corn. He just hucked another corn. We were just trying to like, you know, I'm not, I, it's really hard to tell the story, not to say the guy's name because he had such a great nickname. We were trying to calm him down. <laughs> it was almost like, and it was 14 to nothing. So nobody gave a shit. So it was almost Patriot on Patriot uh, uh, battles and shit like that. But I remember know. I went to a game in the mid nineties. We were playing Denver. And I think Elway just, you know, I don't remember what his lifetime we record. We never beat Denver. We never beat Elway. From Craig Morton right yeah. through John Elway. And like, and every time we fucking play him, it's always, it's always, always in mile high. It's like, yeah. do we ever get a home? I would love to see, maybe it's just because we always lose. So it just feels like that. But like the, every fucking time we play that team. And we had the Rulon Jones safety. Is there any way to look up game. a stat? To, like like the Pats versus the all time. Yeah. How many games have been home versus away from like 1978 on? Every time it was always snowing. They always gave us a little bit of a chance. We would just get the shit kicked out of us. It, it finally started a flip with the Brady Belichick era, but we went to this game. It was when Elway was there and they killed us. 
But more importantly, the the 17-year-old kid behind us, who was obviously drinking before the game, uh-huh. had one of those exorcist throw-ups. Oh, God. Just five pounds of it. But it was behind us. But as the game went along, it started creeping down oh. toward our... So then by like... Second quarter, we're just our feet are just in it for the and the pats are down like you know twenty eight to three or whatever, and we're going to buy bottled water to spray out the puke and oh, like to me that was that stadium people. just like standing in puke sitting in puke. I remember a preseason game. Two of my buddies went down to get a beer and they were gone for like a half hour. We're like, where are they? And they come back. One of them's shirt is ripped like <laughs> open to his shoulder. The other's got like a bloody lip. They'd somehow gotten into a fight and almost got kicked out, but the vendor stuck up for him and said that, no, the other guy started it and they let them stay bloody. Like that would never happen. No, no now that would be like a congressional hearing. Yeah. I remember going when they opened Gillette Stadium, which I don't really like that much. The um, lighthouse is what gets me. Yeah, the, it it's looks cool on theme, TV. Theme parkish. Yeah, and TV looks cool in person. It feels theme parky. But uh, the first game, they, they didn't, for some reason, they decided to make an equal amount of men's and women's bathrooms. And, you know, what is, what's the demo of a Pats game? Like 95 to five, male, female, mm-hmm. 96 to four. I don't know. And you said all these dudes waiting in these men's rooms, but at all the women's rooms, there's nobody there. And it's usually the opposite. The women's right. rooms is usually the longer line. Well, guess what happened? You can take a guess. You're from Massachusetts. Oh. How do you think it played out? How it usually plays out. Do you, think the, guy started, do you yeah. think the guy started cool. using the women's? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just complete now. chaos. Yeah. He did that now. Like, God It'd knows. be trouble. People yeah. would cell phone it. Yeah, you'd be called a rapist and they would you'd ruin your career. Yeah. Uh, You'll Tom never Brady? drive a garbage truck again. Tom Brady? Yep. You feel like he's getting weird a little bit? He's getting a little strange in his 40s? Uh, There's been some signs. I, I don't know. Weird, belo- lo- belovedly weird. I don't I'm know not, what. Not, yeah, everybody in the media is just going after the guy. I, I, I love Tom. It's his career. Did you watch he, Tom he, versus Time? He can do. No, I don't. I never watch any of that shit. Oh, see, that's because I don't. This give is why a, you feel that way. Yeah. Tom yeah. versus Time. Because I don't need to strange. know what the fuck he's like between the games. Yeah. All I just need to know is what he does during the game, which is he's done better than anybody else. If you're going to fucking, you want to hang out with me for 24 hours? I'll, I'm fucking, I guarantee you I'm weirder than that guy is. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and judge this guy who's like the greatest quarterback of all time and married a supermodel and yeah. went five, went to eight Super Bowls and won five of them. I'm going to sit on my couch being like, hey, what's up with this guy? He's got a full head of hair. This guy, he's k- killing me in every category. God bless him. Six five too. Six five. Tall and handsome. Tall and handsome. Yeah, exactly. I wish I, I had watched it. Let's talk about that on the podcast. Drew Brees would be getting a little more love if he was about four inches taller. You know, had more of a square jaw. Yeah, and married somebody more well known. Well, he, he has like the second most yards of all time. People don't even know that. That's yeah. Indoor is a little tainted. This is my Peyton Manning argument too. As I as I espouse the Tom Brady merits, right. just those you playing know. in the dome just helps. Brady's had to have all these cold weather games. You know, he's like in December, he's playing, he's either playing in Massachusetts or he's playing like but in Buffalo. But what happens outdoors? Does a bird come by and just take the ball? It's just harder. Frozen know. field. I never, got that, grip I never got that far in my football career to know if it's <laughs> easier. Know if the weather. Or hard. But, it, but like the level of noise indoors too is, is you know, is True. difficult. Unless it's in your favor. Yeah. All right. Look, if you want to talk about that, then I make fun of Seattle who deliberately constructed 
That is the loudest place. I've been. Like people talking before the game was deafening. It actually like it was, seems was like it could damage your hair. It was bothering yeah. my ears. And, and that, that wasn't because people, they just talk loud in Seattle. It's because, it's like, it goes back to like before the amplification of sound. If yeah. you play these old theaters, if you know how to project your voice, you wouldn't need a microphone. These, these guys could sing or act to the back of the theater. They knew what they were doing. So they just, it's, that technology has been around. So they just built it that way. All I know, I mean, good for them. Good for them. But all I know is if the Patriots did that, they would figure out where the sound waves were going and they'd make us tear down a section and we'd have to play at fucking Nickerson Field and lose a couple first round draft picks if we did that shit. Everybody else is just like, ah, it's a little gamesmanship. I know. The Steelers got involved in a deflated football preseason thing and it came and went in like five seconds. All right. Well, that's, what, that's one of the, I mean, that, 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 that Jim Ursay hiring a guy to do an investigation on the team that, that he lost to in a playoff game. I mean, that was like an episode of Dukes of Hazard. That was like- Especially Jim Ursay out of all people. Yeah, I know. Whatever, who cares? Let's take a break, talk about a little gambling. People always ask me for advice, what team to bet on this week, what's going to happen. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Trust me, guys, it's your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use, not to mention in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a score a player will score each game. Lay down some cash. Win big today. You win, they pay. Join now. My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code Bill Simmons when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That is my bookie. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code Bill Simmons when creating your account. You claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Are you following the Jets QB? Like the, the Jets fans are really into uh, Sam Darnold. But he's one of those guys. It's almost like he dropped from one to three because people didn't like his face. Oh, that's a big there, thing. There was like like some- Eli, if Eli looked better with a helmet on, there's just <laughs> something about him. He just looks like he's squished in there. And yeah. the guy is, he's a killer. You don't have to tell a Pats fan that that guy's a killer, man. Yeah. That, and he gets better He's like one of those guys, like, I think he just, he's bored in September and October. And then all of a sudden it's like, Eli, you have to win seven of the last nine games. And he's like, all right. And then that's like the, the dumb look on his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, that guy's not dumb, dude. He's not, he, but he, we're the he, only he fans is, who are afraid of him anymore. Huh? Eli. I well, think the he's, he's, fans he's are been the getting shit group. on by the New York media yeah. his whole fucking career. It, that was, um, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you do have to get rid of your coach, but getting rid of Tom Coughlin, I mean, the guy owned the Patriots. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Um, but, you know, people move on. So we'll see. We'll see how this new, they got that that kid from Penn State at running back, whatever his name is. That Barkley. Guy. Oh my God. Yeah. He went, I had a that, fantasy like draft last night. He team. went for like 52 bucks. That's, people were like already all in on him. He hasn't played yet. That's the best team for his style to go to, like just an old school. Like I actually, even if I'm a Patriots fan, I like the Giants because I've always liked defensive-minded teams. And and it's funny how like certain teams just know how to draft guys. Like for whatever reason, the Giants my whole life, and actually going before with Sam Huff and all those guys, they just always knew how to draft. They just see a linebacker like nobody else. Pittsburgh's another good team like that. And uh, then you got other teams that just can't pick a winner like, like the Browns and the Bears, like they just like they just can't get a quarterback. Like the amount of times where it's just like, all right, buddy, there's been one pick or two picks. You have the rest of the draft 
pick the guy that's right. going to be the guy. And they just, they, especially the Bears. The Bears have never, my whole life, have never had a quarterback. They had, uh, uh, what, what's his face? Uh, they had Cutler. For, they had a brief Cutler Apex. Cutler sort of, he's like the modern day, like Jeff George. Oh, he yeah. has all this ability and he just ends up pissing everybody off everywhere he goes. He's fun as a fan to watch the way he talks to the media and how much he doesn't give a fuck. But um, I gotta say, I miss him. Like who? We need a new. I love Jeff George and I love Jay Cutler. I I like the anti-hero QB. We need a new yeah. one. I'm hoping one of these new guys maybe will be the anti-hero. Well, who's that guy that's always on the Brown Browns that went on uh, the herd and stuck up for himself? Wore the whole shirt undraftable. Did you see that clip? Oh, was that Baker yeah, Mayfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I, fun. Baker I like Mayfield he's got a was, swagger to him. Oh yeah, and and he's going into play for the Browns. The Browns, by the way, have to go back to their old uniforms. Yeah, I agree. They, it's so funny. They barely tweaked them, but they completely fucked Just them up. Just go back. They were such like- They dude, should go back to old, the Jim Brown uniforms, yes, like from the 60s. That old, all brown with the white numbers and the white pants with the stripe is one of the cleanest uniforms. And it's very hard to make brown look cool. And they did it. I think it was the orange helmet that offset it. I How thought, long have I been in Hollywood? I'm really getting all fashionista over here. I thought Baker was going to be a bust and I've already recanted and done a 180 on my own opinion. Because I was impressed by him- I thought in Hard Knocks, mm-hmm. I hate to judge people from just from Hard Knocks. I was really <laughs> impressed by a how he handled himself, his personality, his sense of humor. Yeah, he just seemed like a leader, but and so it many didn't those seem guys, overwhelmed at all. But so many of those guys become busts. It's just the fucking team you go to, where it's just like you know, if yeah, the team infects you. Yeah, and it's just like if they don't have an offensive line, and you spend like like. You know, Troy Aikman was was very close to being out of the league in five years if Jimmy Johnson doesn't come in and turn around. The amount of hits that that guy took in the beginning. Yeah. And then Jimmy made that unbelievably shrewd trade and uh, was able to convert all of those. I mean, what, what, that was the dumbest thing. I used to think that they just gave them all these players and and it wasn't. They, they, gave, them, they gave them like, I forget who they gave them, but they had like five of these other players and any one that he cut, he got like, the Vikings top pick. Yeah. And after the thing, Jimmy was like, you know, I'm going to cut all these players. And, and they the were like, Vikings guy, you motherfucker don't do that. It's just like, well, of course I would have cut yeah, them. Why, yeah. Why would you do that? And, but then he also had to pick the right guys and he did. So, um, you are know. you ready for a post Tom Brady world as a Patriots fan? Yeah, I was after Atlanta. It's going to be, uh, like, I don't want him to play, too long where he really gets hurt. Like I, but it's up to him when he wants to quit. So I'm not going to criticize the guy if he keeps playing. I just want him to go out on a high note. I mean, as much as I'm worried about the guy, because I'm, I'm, I can only superimpose how I felt at his age. Yeah. <laughs> so this is me. But I mean, his last game, he threw for over 500 yards in the Super Bowl. He didn't fucking win. But I mean, anybody else is coming back. That's like a career year. So, uh, yeah, it feels know. like it's going to have to end badly. There's no other way. Well, I'm and just hoping. I just don't know what year it'll be. It could be in 2025. Like who, who the hell knows? I've just I never seen thought a we'd see what he did last year. In this business, the thing that, that got him there is also the thing that can screw you over if, if you're not cognizant of it, which I think he is, you know? And I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think uh, he's going as long as he feels like he can still be good. And it does seem like he's- Which re- is okay because I mean- Yeah. It seems like he's really driven to prove that he can completely alter the limits of what people thought a guy in well, the 40s Well, hasn't he already do. done? How old is he? 
43? He's 41. Now, 41. No, he's 41. Now we're, now we're entering territory we haven't seen. We've seen 39. We've seen 40. Okay, so we've you seen saw guys. a 41-year-old guy throw for over 500 yards in a Super Bowl. Got his team in the Super Bowl, threw for over 500 yeah. yards. I mean, that, that's insane. But I think he wants to go to like 45. I think um, he wants us to be the all-time mic drop where people are like, holy shit, what happened? I think LeBron's wired the same way, to be honest. I think LeBron wants to play until like his kid's in the NBA. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's, old, that's why they're great. Yeah. So- but, this but there's is nothing what we, worse, though, than watching a guy try to do that and then see a bunch of out-of-shape people who were never even picked in gym class start picking him apart. And, 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 and the, the glee and the joy that they have doing it the guys, because that their the own guys sports finally dream up. never got off the fucking ground. Yeah. Like the, uh, the cuntiness of sports writers <laughs> is just, it's just, it's unparalleled. <laughs> Other than the average jerk-off on Twitter, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, the, I mean, we grew up with some some boxers that stayed on too long. It seems like a recurring thing in boxing. They always have to have that that well, those two knockouts. It's inherently that a corrupt happen. sport, and then they don't have any money. They don't. Yeah, they have to keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. So, uh, but like, Bobby, there's been a few people like like uh, that walk away. You know, that that have been smart, like in football. Elway um, was the best one. Two two titles leaves leaves, but I'm He's just saying out. as far as before you you have like any sort of like damage like you know Barry Sanders playing oh, ten yeah, seasons yeah. and gone like I, I you know what that's going to do for the future of his health considering what seems what happens to a lot of these football players like Lynn Swan got out after ten years he played ten seasons got four rings and, and had the took like, a couple of huge hits though remember yeah. the Super Bowl where it seemed like was he the one? Oh no uh, that was he took one but I was thinking Sammy White Sammy White took that one hit when it seemed like he died in the game. Oh yeah. Remember if you that? watch those old Raider highlights, yeah, it's it like, was, oh my God. They just were punching guys in the head. Yeah. Like this one guy, he literally had like a cast and you'd catch the he would let you catch the ball and so then he, he could would close on he you. would to the side of the head and you'd get knocked out and they act like that was a good hit. It's like, dude, you just sucker punched that guy. And that was completely legal. Yeah. I remember a a, a touchdown pass Terry Bradshaw threw and he got knocked unconscious against the Cowboys. He got hit like I think two guys hit him at once. Yeah. He was completely unconscious. And he, of course, because he's Terry, threw a strike. Lin Swan caught it for a touchdown. And then Terry played the rest of the game. I believe didn't remember most of it. I mean, that was, uh, they don't let guys do that anymore. So that 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 is uh, that is a good thing. They don't let them do anything close to that anymore. Yeah. Now that, now they have the Not because they care. Not because yeah. they care. It's well, all about they're going to get sco- sued. Sued yeah. again, yeah. Yeah, I was saying on my podcast that what they should do is just like make them all sign a waiver, kind of like you know if if the federal government imprisons you for thirty years and they find out you're innocent and they go okay we'll let you out but you have to sign this thing where you can't sue us. Yeah, whoever lawyer drew that up, the NFL should hire that person, and then when you come into the NFL, you just sign that. You just sign it. Here we go. This this is what this is. I had my fantasy football draft last night, and we we have eleven teams, but only ten can be in the draft. And the champ gets to vote somebody out. Okay. So the guy who was the champ, Dave Damashek, he drew up this legal document that I won't vote you out, but you can't vote me out for five years. And we all had to sign it to avoid getting voted out. And then he ended up voting out this one person. But I thought like what you're saying about the NFL. It really was. That's what this is. It's Survivor and it's caused a lot of tension and, uh, and angst in our group. I hate it. I'm but, af- uh, I'm afraid to yeah dude you you guys you fucked up with that one. This is my friend cousin Sal who's he's obsessed with like the vote out and 
who's no, gonna you get guys, back, you guys like, just you yeah you just signed he loves away. fucking with the, with you know, That's like friend. Woodrow Wilson when he realized that Federal Reserve was not a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just stuck with it for the rest of eternity. So you got to have your letter of regret. Are you? What's your big college football trip this year? I'm going to Michigan, Wisconsin in the big house. And uh, have so you have was, you done that one before? Yeah, I saw Michigan, uh, Ohio State back 1999. That's when like. Uh, was it David Boston was playing and I, I forget who oh, Michigan Jesus. Had. Yeah, a long time ago. Remember how big that, that guy got so jacked on the Cardinals, David Boston. He was like the yeah. first football receiver I remember. It was like, wow, that guy's too big. He's not, he's yeah. going to get hurt. Yeah, that was, uh, and that was a great era in the Big Ten. That was before uh, the SEC and their whole run. But it's my, funny my, that my, you my, like college football in like Massachusetts. It's so not a thing. I moved out here. And that's what got you. And the games came on so early. And, um, and shows get comedy shows got over so early. Like, you know, you used to work the weekends in New York. I mean, you, you didn't get home till like three in the morning and you, uh, didn't fall asleep to four, four thirty. So I missed a lot of sports when I was there. And then I came out here and you know, you, you weren't getting eight spots a night in a weekend, the way you could run around the city back in the day, at least in New York. So, um, Gave me this free time and I just was like, all right, well, I'm not jumping on the Alabama bandwagon. Um, so I liked Les Meyer with uh, LSU and I became an LSU fan. So like mm. there, I, I have, there's a bunch of teams that I like uh, historically, just good programs and stuff. And uh, there's a lot of teams within the SEC that were good when I was. So you're dating up. a lot of teams. You're not married to any of them. I'm married to LSU. But you're married like, to LSU, but you have some mistresses. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just like, I, I'll be, if Tennessee gets good again, I'll be happy for them. Uh, so you had Belichick and Les Miles in your life at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's really he was too fun, man. He was a fun guy where he would, uh, he would just, he would go for it. He had trick plays. He was eating the grass and he just was <laughs> crazy. The big things we never had a quarterback, but this year, this new kid, uh, forget his name. I just saw him, uh, uh, they pretty much handled University of Miami the other night until like with like eight minutes left, all of a sudden Miami started scoring. Then they were like two touchdowns, two point conversions, two two point conversions from tying it that made me nervous. And I was like, there's no way they're going to do this. It's like, wait, I saw the Patriots do that like four times to the Falcons. So it is doable. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I went to a game there uh, in Baton Rouge when they played Alabama. It was incredible. And they had the game one and they fucking alligator armed it. They started playing Marty Ball. Oh, Jesus. Mid-third quarter. Poor hours. Marty. Yeah. Um, give me your top four stadiums. Give me the Mount Rushmore right now. Okay. Well, to, I am- College. I, I only need like eight more in the professional, all four sports, eight more home games that I have to go to. Oh, so you want in college. Okay. Wait, what are you talking about? You've I've banged to, out that many stadiums? You only have eight left? Yeah. I've been to a home game of every football, baseball, every hockey, but like three and every basketball, except like, I guess five, maybe. Yeah. Football, you're talking college and pro? No, no, no. Just uh, pro. Just pro, but college, I'm on Give me my the way. college. That I've been to? The best three you've been to so far. Uh, it's tough. Dude, That's I, I can't do it. Because college- that's, Of course you can do it. No, you, I'll tell you why. Because in the NFL, they're all brand new stadiums. The NBA, baseball, it's so the memories aren't there. Yeah. Like when you're going into these old stadiums and you know Earl Campbell played here- and 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 all these 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 amazing players. So I'm, mean, dude. I've been in the Rose Bowl, the L.A. Coliseum. The Rose Bowl is really cool. And the, I like, actually was prepared for what that was like. I go, I go to that every. I go to the Rose Bowl game. Every, I've gone to the last ten in a row every yeah. New Year's. 
day I go to that uh, L.A. Coliseum where the first two Super Bowls were played. Every time I go there, I picture that video of of uh, um, Vince Lombardi and all those empty seats behind him um, when I go there. Max uh, McGee throwing up in the sideline. The big house, Notre Dame. I remember Notre Dame was like, welcome to big time college football. This guy over the thing, uh, the swamp last year. I went there. Not only did I see LSU versus the Florida Gators, it was right after Tom Petty, unfortunately, uh, 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 died and he was from Gainesville. Yeah. And they they played I Won't Back Down and the whole crowd sang it. If you'll see it on YouTube, I was oh, there. That's I, awesome. That gave me chills. Um, LSU was incredible. I went to the Red River rivalry game in the Cotton Bowl, Texas versus Oklahoma. What about Ole Miss? Uh, that's on my bucket list. I'm going to go to that I've one. I've heard good things about that one. Um, they've all been great. They just did. And then uh, OSU, I went to a game there. They're playing Bowling Green, so that kind of sucked. But um, I was in Auburn two years ago. It was cool. And then they won, and it was like, hey, we're going to go toilet paper some trees. trees. Like, what? Yeah, let's go do it. You guys are all doing that? What does that mean? Why are you doing that? I went to an Indiana University game when Bobby Knight was still there when they played uh, Michigan State. Wow. I have never seen behavior. And he wasn't even getting technicals. I have never seen a coach. Like, dude, he was so far out on the court. I forget. They gave up an easy bucket. Yeah. And the point guard's bringing up the court. And dude, he was yelling. And it was, I thought his head was going to snap off the way he was like just throwing his head at his the guy was going up the court. And um, that was when I almost didn't get into. I bought a student ticket and I was like 32 and they're looking at me. And I just, I think I just said, come on, man. <laughs> they go, all right, get in there. <laughs> like, that this was, is bucket uh, list. I got to go. That's the best NBA in arena, Conseco Field in uh, Indiana. Because oh, they built think? it just for basketball. Because yeah. most of these basketball arenas are built for hockey, so they have to be wider, so the seats aren't as close. And the oh, is that Indiana right? one, yeah. So the legend goes to the games. He sits in the corner because mm -hmm. if if you do an NBA arena the right way or a basketball arena, the corner should actually be an awesome seat because it should be close. Yeah. But with the hockey, they have to make it super wide for all the guys to walk in and out. Right. So those corners are like too far away. So anyway, that was a good one. What's the best hockey arena? Montreal. Well, they have the new one. I went to the old forum and that the was- The old forum that was, was cool. I mean, that was like the place of our nightmares as, as children. But still, you had to respect it. Maple Leaf Gardens, I took a tour of that before they tore it down. That was incredible. Uh, um, I would say the Boston Garden. The new one? No, the old one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that place, seeing Celtic games there and uh, Bruins games. I mean, that was literally, you know, the deal. You felt like- you're going to fall down onto the ice. They just, you know, the pillars, the cigarette smoke and the alcohol, those fumes. little shit TVs. Remember if you yeah. got like the, the obstructed such view, a dump. that I little kitchen it. TV was like a six inch screen. You're supposed to, as like that black line was kept jumping, going up. You're supposed to watch it on that. And uh, people think those stories are exaggerated. We, no, you know, not at all. We used to sit in the tunnel because my dad had tickets and you could hear the rats running around underneath us sometimes. Cause you remember the tunnel, like they yeah. have the little screens. We could hear like little squeaking shit. I never heard that. Shit. I just remember there was a guy one time. Like, like, are, those are rats. How tight it was. There was a guy, we had upper deck and this guy was across the ice upper deck. And for some reason, Mike Milbury wasn't a popular Bruin at the time. And, eh, and there, yeah. there were some reasons. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm, I don't know any reason, but I just remember this guy stood up and just clear his day. The whole arena heard it. He just stood up and he grabbed his dick. He goes, Milbury, eat my meat. <laughs> and he got this big laugh. 
And then he just sat down. There was all kinds of kids there. They all heard it. No usher came down to say like, hey, buddy, could you not grab your junk? Yeah. And and spew out vulgar stuff across the entire fucking arena. Like like the players on the bench heard it. Like that's like that's how tight it was. Um how you feeling about hockey these days? I love it. And the more people criticize it, the more it warms. Who's my criticizing heart. it? Well, everybody always is always like, you can't see the puck, it doesn't translate to television. Uh, why do they allow them to fight and all of that shit? And it's just like, dude, it's not for you. Just fucking move on to another sport. All these fucking assholes, they keep, and the NHL listens to them. They to try, try to cater to, cater them. to these people yeah. who are going to continue to not watch hockey and then they just alienate good uh, fans like myself. I just, I pat myself on the back. I will tell you this, after years of picking the wrong cities, they are on a roll right now with Nashville yeah. and Vegas. And I think Seattle is going to be huge. Seattle fans a good are, idea. are maniacs. They're yeah, maniacs. Seattle's and they're going to be idea. loud as shit. And they know the louder they scream, the better chance they get of getting the Sonics back or some sort of NBA franchise. I don't know if they own the team, uh, the, the team name the way the Browns fans did. I think that's going to be a huge I got to say, I was absolutely flabbergasted and stunned by how well the Vegas thing went. I felt uh, it was going to go the complete opposite way. It made and no I, sense to me. I, I wouldn't have bet against you. It, it broke pretty much every rule I would have expected for what would make an NHL team work. But then as you watch it happen and then it makes total sense. It's like, Oh, the ticket break brokers buy all the tickets. They just hand them out to this group of people. But then you have all these diehard people who don't live like right in Vegas, but are uh, 20, 30 minutes away. And they those are like the perfect blue collar occupants. Yeah. And what, and about, that, what was, about that speech the guy gave? That was like right out of a movie. Oh yeah. They, they everything the they season, he goes, he goes, you guys are all in this locker room for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> Whoever you just played for didn't think you were good enough to be, yeah, pro- to be protected. Sports movie. To be protected. And they all just just became one. Uh, yeah, Which, that was one of those ones when I was watching, I was just like, I was rooting for the Capitals because uh, one of my buddies, Josh Adam Myers, is a huge longtime suffering Capitals fan. So I was rooting for him. But I was just like, you know, if the Capitals don't win, this is just such a great story. Uh, to lose to the expansion team. No, no, that no, no, been no, a, no, 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 during that 2011 Dallas year when people had kind of written him off and he was over here and he, mm-hmm. he's the MVP, but he shouldn't have been. That's and, when they beat Miami, right? And then they had the whole, it wasn't just Miami. Like he, they upset every team they beat in the playoffs was a team people thought they were going to lose to. I always and felt was bad very for Mark Cuban because then the lockout happened. He wasn't allowed to talk to his players. So the second they won, he wasn't allowed to right. celebrate with them. It's just like, dude, what the? Right. There's no way. He must have been like, all right, everybody just. I think he was partying for like seven weeks in a row anyway. I think he was fine. Yeah. I think he, he wanted that, especially after how they lost in 06 when Wade and the refs and all that shit. So you're fine. You're, you're, you feel hockey's in a good place right now. Cause I agree with you. It does seem hockey like- Hockey is a great game. It seems it's like hockey's driven away all the casual fans and basically like, we're here. This is our sport. Stop telling us what to change. Fuck off. I hope this that, is that, ours. That, I hope that's what they do. Just be happy being multimillionaires. Stop looking at other sports being like, why can't we be billionaires? It's just like, that's it's a fucking disease. Like how big does your flat screen TV have to be? It does seem like the one professional league that hasn't really exploited this current decade where sports rights have 
you know, like the Premier League's gone way up, and these freaking MLS teams. What about are the, all the UFC? UFC went global, UFC, like soccer. WWE. Like, I would say UFC has got to be as far as global globally goes. That's got to be second behind soccer as far as like, like it doesn't make a difference where they go. There's fans; people are going to mm. watch it. Um, NBA's NBA's above them, but UFC is definitely NBA. I think NBA's the league past stuff, like in these different countries they've gone into. It's been social media. Like you can always tell by the social media. So the soccer players have the biggest, you know, Instagram footprints, Twitter footprints, stuff like that. Oh, okay. and the basketball is like really gone up. And that's the that's the biggest difference between basketball and baseball right now. Is the, that's ba surprising the baseball me. guys have I, I no think, social media I would think footprint. That they at would all. be bigger. Yeah. That always that post you have. The Which fish one? that saved Pittsburgh. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I first got cable. 40 year anniversary coming up. Is that Gabe Kaplan in that movie or no? No, that's Gabe Kaplan's behind you to the right. That's the most politically incorrect sports movie of all time, Fast Break. Oh, I knew he did a basketball one. Yeah. That was the golden era of Fish that Saved Pittsburgh, Fast Break, and One on One with Robbie Benson. Oh, yeah. The trifecta. Oh, I love that movie, One on One. Were you in a sports movie? Was I ever yeah. in a sports movie? No. no. Nothing? No. How did that happen? You've had so many well, like cameos and weird in, stuff. In the movie industry. <laughs> no, but you've been, so I just kind of, you also, I look like a fireman. I look like a cop. You couldn't I mean, have been. I don't, I don't really look like a flanker. Could have been in flanker. one of these Boston movies they've made? Hmm? You couldn't have been in like a cameo I, I auditioned for Celtic Pride early in my uh, career. There we go. Colin Quinn. That fever pitch? Written movie. Um, fever pitch. No, I just wasn't. No, I was never the guy. So, which sucks when you're young, but it's great when you're old. So you have a nice sort of gradual ascent. Yeah. And nobody bugs you. And uh, yeah, it's perfect. So then I, if my descent is just as gradual, it should take me to the end of my life. <laughs> <laughs> One more break to talk about Squarespace. Our old friends, turn your dream into reality with Squarespace to make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, or whatever you want to do. Squarespace, the tool for you. Beautiful templates, world-class designers. The ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. Making a beautiful website by yourself. Their powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online. Analytics help you grow your site in real time. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. Nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Buying domains is simple. You'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers, artists to gamers, even restaurants and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. Head to squarespace.com slash BS for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code BS to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash BS. Offer code BS. Can I ask you about the, the Louis stuff recently? Sure. What was your uh, reaction to it? He comes as back, he does what? comedy, and everybody gets pissed off. Well, I don't think it was everybody. It was well, just a lot of people. Yeah, some people got pissed off. And then a lot of people thought like, you know, he's had enough. Let him up off the mat. I always equate it to like, you know, I'd watch a buddy of mine get into a fight. I wanted him to win. But after a while, it was like, all right, all right, it's over. You got him. Like, let him up. I mean, they took everything from him. And like, if he wants to go out and go do stand up, I mean, it's a free country. You don't have to like it. You don't have to go to the go to the shows or anything like that. But um, I just wish we could get out of this. I wish we could get back to a, 
I don't know if that period ever existed, but I wish we could get to a period where you could discuss things and not just not just have to pick a well. Have people side start yelling at you and then try to destroy your career just because you have a difference of opinion? Where if you're on the same page, going, "Hey, you know, this behavior is not correct and should be dealt with," and then you're disagreeing on type of punishment, length of punishment, or anything like that, and then it just becomes like this thing where, where uh, that we live in a world now where you have to be afraid to say that stuff. It's you know. To people who are allegedly progressive, it's like, how are you progressive if I have a difference of opinion, and so then you're going to try to destroy me? Is 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 the irony of that? I don't have a problem if somebody disagrees with me. I would never try to go out, you know, and and like ruin them to the point that they're out on the street, you know. Um, and then I also have like a, like a you know, there's a lot of shit where it's just like uh, this sounds like a job for the authorities. And people who went to law school, as opposed to me, who's just some people f- on Twitter. Yeah, and, and me, like, what the fuck do I know about the legal system? I, don't, I you know, I don't know any any uh, of this stuff. But like most people, I do have an opinion, and um, you know, I, I don't have a problem if somebody disagrees with me. I would never go after them like that, especially if they haven't done anything other than weigh in on a, on a topic. It's bizarre. Like everybody on on the internet, they're just such good people. Like you know. Without having to demonstrate it. That's what I love. Like, there'll be like a hashtag. I saw one. It was just uh, things I don't tolerate. And adults were literally weighing in on this. And then they were just saying all of this obvious applause break shit like racism, bigotry. My favorite one. Mean people. It's like, what are you, fucking (laughs) five mean people? And that's just like, like, what did you have to demonstrate? That you don't do that. Now, is there video of you being somewhere with a bunch of white people and someone drops the N-word and then you don't tolerate it? Is there any of that evidence? Or did you just fucking just write a bunch of shit and it becomes like this self-serving fucking thing that's allegedly for the better good of society when it really isn't? It's like all those jerk-offs on Instagram acting like they're trying to inspire you and they're just trying to show you all the cool shit they have and their six-pack abs, you know? I'm so fucking sick of people on Instagram telling me how hard they're working. Yo, we out here grinding, out here trying to get this paper. It's just like, yeah, yeah, everybody is. Oh, do you have to work hard in life? I didn't realize that. It's just like my favorite one. I love the one too, where you bring all your cars out around the private jet. And it's just like, did you drive all those out there yourself and you just Ubered back to your garage? Did that take all day? Or did you, did you have the gardener drive over the Hummer? I like the the LeBron Instagram workouts. And then you have to workouts. stand there and you cannot be looking at the camera. You got to be looking, you got to be looking, looking off. sideways. Yeah. And you got to have a look on your face. This is like, you know, this is how we do it, man. This is, oh, was that how you do it? I didn't know you could do it like that. I would have done it that way had I known how to do it. How do you do it? Oh, we're working hard. It's just like, it's like, none of this means anything. It's just, it's just somebody sh- trying to, it's just like, just, just be an arrogant ass. Stop acting like you're trying to fucking help me. The LeBron Instagram workout videos. You knew the old videos. man in me was going to come out at some point in this fucking podcast. It. The LeBron Instagram workout videos. Like, I can't imagine uh, Bird of Magic doing that 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Well, in defense of him, though, that didn't exist. They would have. There would have been people who did that shit. Bird never would have had it. Bird was like tarring his driveway during the summers. Like, Bird hurt yeah. his back tarring his fucking driveway. I know. Because they gave you that one standard brush 
Yeah. I remember that. You want to pay somebody $7 an hour to do his driveways, make it like a million dollars a year. Well, that's a fair. How cheap Come on, Larry. When he was in the Olympic Village, I ain't paying $8 for a beer and his six foot nine self just walked down the street. You always, to a bar to go get a beer. You talk about the great athletes who fuck their careers up in, so, in some way. Nobody ever talks about Larry Bird just being cheap. If, he, if he's not tarring his own driveway, he maybe plays like seven more years. Like Bobby Orr, yeah. he only played nine years, but it was because multiple people made runs at his knees and fucked his knees up to the point he couldn't he also, play anymore. He also played reckless. Like, and, I, and I mean this in a good way. Like he yeah. just he only, he only just played on 10. Um, There's some great, great, great Bobby Orr YouTube videos. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like him, him defending the goal without a mask because the goalie was out of there, just like taking slap shots to the to the yeah. neck and uh, and fighting people. He was in some fights. I remember hearing a great Gretzky story where somebody was going, uh, "Wayne Gretzky, you're the greatest of all time." And there was a Bobby Orr video on the background. He goes, "No, that guy, that guy's the greatest of all time." So when the great one said he's the greatest, um, yeah, he took it to a whole. Uh, Whole other level. We did uh, my HBO show, You and the Great One. You were like a little yeah. kid in the candy store talking yeah. about hockey, and he was he was he was laughing delightedly at you. Yeah, I think he was so excited that somebody Keywords had it. At me. No, with you, he was. I think he was so delighted that there was a hockey fan with a sense of humor. He was like, "Look at this guy! Oh, he's got, yeah. got hockey jokes." He was. He loved it. Well, you go up to Canada, they got him. They are. I, I I was just so. I couldn't believe I was meeting him. And then he was just such a nice guy. And um, just like, yeah, hockey players in general are, are very down to earth. I don't know if it's, it's, if it's because of the game or whatever. It's the Canadian, the Canadian uh, DNA, I think is a big part. Yeah. Of that. But there's so many like Europeans. They're just still just in general. They're just like, like self-deprecating, like nice guys. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know why. It's funny because then you see the game and they're just beating the shit out of each other. And they think they're a bunch of animals. Then you hang out with them. Oh, you know, how are you? <laughs> good to see you. Oh, it was a good fight. Have it some beers. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, so I got efforts for families. Let me promote some stuff. I got efforts for yeah, families season three. We're done. Uh, Netflix is going to give us a release date, hopefully uh, by October, and it should be coming out before the end of the year. That's all. The I last know. time we did one of these, I told you how we wouldn't let my son watch it. Mm -hmm. He That's started good parenting. No, he started watching. It. He's, yeah. he's kids love our show. Out. Yeah, yeah. Kids love our show. That's I'm sure that I'm the crazy Netflix algorithm that's going to control our lives someday. Uh, is reporting back on the kids. And but the I don't know if they're signing range. in on their parents' account or whatever. But no, like, they're doing that. They're signing into. You can flick over from like the kids account to the dad account and that's oh, how they're right. getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been a fun. Th and, and then uh, MSG, I, for some reason you scheduled TD Bank North. I saw on October 5th. Uh -huh. It's almost definitely going to be a Red Sox playoff game. You yeah, make it's it, it's awesome. like a Sophie's Choice well, type I'm, of no, situation. I'm going to go, but I'm going to go back for, uh, for like a week. Well, everybody will, like, they'll have, uh, they'll probably be watching the game live. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's a road game, but still they want to watch it. Yeah. I didn't think about that as they were winning like a thousand games this year, although they're playing 500 ball now, which I think is a great thing. I, they, they finally had their little swerve at a time when you would want it, which is yeah, August. rather than October. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Yankees haven't been winning. So they're still eight and a half back. Um, Who's your MVP Mookie or JD? Oh, that's tough. I think, oh, I think it's Sale, dead even. What about Sale, though? Because Sale prevented yeah. us. He, that, what do you mean? That guy prevents us from he having any sort like of a losing streak. 
Dude, but they're resting them for October. I know. I like that. You know what they're doing. I wish we'd done that with Clements and in 86. Is, is Price all right? I know we had that comeback or hit him on the wrist. I, I never know with Price. Price and my daughter are the two most fragile people in my life yeah. right now. <laughs> Don't know what to expect with Price. Uh, <laughs> Just hoping he's going to make it. So yeah, big tour and then uh, and the podcast. Uh, big tour and then the, yeah, I got the podcast and uh, efforts for family and then front runner. Those are the things I have going on in my front life. Front runner. Front runner. Well, who's your character in front runner? Uh, I, it's funny if you go on the website, it says they that, made uh, up a fake name for you. No, they, for somebody says me, I'm playing George McGovern. So I keep getting all these questions. Like, You're playing you know, George McGovern. No, I, exactly. I'm not. Oh, but everybody's just like, holy shit, this guy, what is this guy? Is he like Daniel day Lewis? How the fuck <laughs> is he pulling this off? I don't know who put it up there. I think it's hilarious and I'm not going to correct it until somebody else does. But they have me there playing George you McGovern. You should just start doing when you do uh, interviews and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm going to be George McGovern. Yeah, you know, I watched runner. a lot of tape, you know, and uh, wrote a bunch of notes. No, I play uh, a guy who works for the Miami Herald. Oh. Yep. Who, curiously enough, has a Boston accent. So Well, I'm he about, moved there from Boston. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's All good. my characters. For an internship. Some, yeah, yeah. I remember one time I, I, I did a sitcom, a failed pilot that took place in Wisconsin. And how they explained away my accent was... Uh, he went, he went to BU for four years or something like that. And it's just like, oh, and he just completely lost. <laughs> yes, <it's, it's, laughs> he can't. And then he goes back to Wisconsin. Then he should get his Midwest accent. But I could do it now. I think I could do a Midwest, more of a Midwest accent. But uh, yeah. Bill Burr, pleasure as always. Thank you for having me, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to Bill Burr. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Simply Safe. Remember, Simple Safe Home Security, prepared for anything. If a storm takes out your power, they're ready. If your phone line gets cut, they're ready. If your keypad gets destroyed, Simply Safe will get you the help you need. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe great. It's always ready just in case. I recommend it to everyone I know. Go today, simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't forget about the rewatchables taken. Subscribe to that one now. Ryan Rosillo's new podcast, Against All Odds, heading into the New NFL season, the Ringer NFL show, The Watch, Channel 33, all of our fantastic podcasts. They're all happening right now. One Shining Podcast. Yeah. There you go, Kyle. We're gearing up. Yeah, gearing up, getting ready. Patino's book is out. One Shining Podcast is ready. We are back with the BS later this week. Until then. <laughs>